Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Random Show episode number. I'm going to say it's 107. Hopefully I didn't get it wrong, but if I did, then I do apologize greatly. But welcome back to the Random Show with I, your host, Agostino Zinga. And I hope you are doing well wherever you may find this lovely, stupendous show. Welcome back to the Random Show episode number 107 with I, your gracious and wonderful host, Agostino Zinga, and I hope you're doing well wherever this stream may find you. I hope you are doing swimmingly. For those of you watching via the video portion, I hope this green screen hoodie doesn't disturb you, right? I really do hope it doesn't send your eyesight going all crazy. For those of you listening to this via the audio platform stuff, I hope this headset is decent. This is a newer one that I'm using in some really foggy getaway. So hopefully, hopefully <laughs> nobody notices because I can't bother to get my normal mic out. I just want to do it this way, just at least for one time. So hopefully you guys don't get too angry and mad at this and it's pretty much decent. But I really do hope, I really do hope um, that um, it's not too bad. I am hoping it's not too bad. Uh, just uh, can you turn down the volume on your hoodie? <laughs> Pick up the touch <laughs> Pick up the chat. You guys are hilarious. Thank you for always, 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 always knowing how to bring a guy down. <laughs> right? Knowing how to lift my spirits and make me feel 10 feet tall. I appreciate every single one of you. Honestly, I really do. But yeah, big up everybody um in the chat. Big up everybody coming in later and you know little by little and stuff. I really am um grateful for anybody tuning in. Um make sure as per usual if you are tuning into the show, do the bare minimum for me and make sure that you smash that like button if possible. Let me just quickly take a screenshot of these settings I've got here and obviously that will be greatly appreciated on this side of the earth on this side of the earth so today right you know what i was doing today for the most part apart from working and whatnot here's what i was doing i was double checking some specials and stuff online because i felt like some of my takes regarding rogan stand-up comedy were a little bit off so i decided let me just go and double check in his specials because i do remember kind of like enjoying a few of his older specials and i went to check on netflix and he's only got two on there I think he's got one from 2016 triggered and he's got another one on there too. But there's not many of Joe Rogan specials on Netflix. I thought he'd have more. I don't know why I thought he'd have more. Maybe they've been taken down. I'm not really too sure what to deal with. But I thought he had more specials on there. But I guess he doesn't. So I went back anyway and watched Triggered. The one that was available. And one thing I can say for certain. And I have to kind of give some reasoning to some people who were telling me. <laughs> in the previous stream like I got it wrong. I think you guys might be right. Like, Rogan's comedy isn't that great, is it, stand-up-wise? Like, he's not the funniest guy in the world, really. Um, if anything, I did enjoy Triggered. I thought there were some jokes in there that were pretty decent, but a lot of the topics um, are really kind of the things that you basically hear him speak about on his flipping podcast on a day-to-day -day basis, which is kind of odd. Like, I kind of noticed that straight away. I was like, oh, he talks about this stuff all the time. This is what he talks about all the time. And I guess maybe a part of me would hope and wish that there'll be like a different persona. Like when you go on stage, you kind of have this, I don't know. Or maybe I'm reading into it wrong. What do you guys think? Am I reading into it wrong? Should comedians have like 
a different set of interests that they kind of explore. Yo, big up Courtney Kemper. I appreciate the super chat. Another random show. An embarrassment of blessings from us. Yes, you know the deal. You know how it is, Courtney Kemper. You know how we do. We always come through and feed the streets. Now that work has kind of slowed down because I was getting a little bit swamped at work. And also I was getting a bit lazy also. So I decided to just jump back on it and do what I know how to do best. And that is feed the streets and appease the many people who do tune into my stream whenever I do stream. So I appreciate you guys for hanging out and kind of, you know, tuning in when I am about. So definitely appreciate that. But yeah, I checked it out. I watched a couple of Joe Rogan comedies special. So, you know, I watched Triggered specifically. I watched basically up to halfway. And, yeah, there are a few laughs in there. But I think overall, if you're not a fan of his style of comedy anyway, like if you don't find Rogan funny, even on the podcast, I can understand why you don't find him funny on stage. Because, you know, that's just how he does comedy. And the other thing I realized that I wasn't really too fond about, right, um, was the flipping um, shouting. You know, that's the only thing I didn't like. The shouting. I didn't like how he was just like screaming into the microphone. Like at all times. You know, like that's what he does. He's just really physical and he's screaming like. Rah! And it's like, brother, man, like relax. Relax. Like everything involves panic and shit. And and maybe it's, it's, really, it's weird because I, I don't think his overall demeanor is like that. He's not like that in his demeanor, how he talks. He's kind of level-headed, chill, laid back. So for him to have this kind of... Oh, really? People are saying the audio's off. People are not liking the audio. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to have to put the fucking thing on, aren't I? You guys don't fucking like the headset at all, do you? You don't like the headset. Oh, my goodness, Christos. If it sounds terrible, terrible, I'll just change it back, though. I'll just change it back if it sounds diabolical. Just let me know, and I'll change it back. Um, but, yeah, I just wanted to test this out just because I want my hands free. I don't have to fucking have the fucking foam dick in my mouth all the time. I'm sucking off the foam dick at every occasion. I want to suck it off a few times, but sometimes, you know, I want to be hands free. I want to be doing a glock glock with my hands behind my back. <laughs> You get me? Uh, Chris Mack is saying, it's not great, but it's not awful. That's that's a bad... Uh, that's like a, a review of Brendan Schaub's special, isn't it? It's of, or like what someone will say about his comedy or his bits. It's not bad, but it's awful. It's just a little tinny and cramped, bruv. Yeah, it's just... Oh, man. The Spotify is going to be the worst. Okay. <laughs> that's interesting. You're doing great. <laughs> he just goes. <laughs> Honestly, I fucking hate you lot. I swear to God, I fucking hate you guys. Anyways, if anybody has recommendations, right? If anyone has recommendations for really good headphones. Because I've searched online. I've done the usual thing. I've done fucking... um. I've done um I've done the whole YouTube thing right checking for headsets I have good mics, and I picked a couple of these ones I've got are the LG, I think they what they called I think they called LG. I've currently got the LG. No, is it LG? Whatever. Anyway, it's a it's a headset that's called a G535 wireless gaming headset. So if you guys have any other recommendations, like if some of you guys stream. Like you stream on Twitch and shit and you use headsets and it doesn't sound like what this sounds like, which sounds like a fucking prison collect call. 
then please let me know so that I can buy one. I do. I would appreciate that because I tried to get one myself. I tried to do it and clearly I failed because no one likes the sound of my fucking headphones or the microphone on it. So now I'm going to have to go back to sucking this fucking foam dick again. So all of you guys and girls out there that have made me plug this foam dick in again, I hate you all. I hate every single one of you. Alright? Because now I'm having to fucking fellatio this foam penis at whatever time in the morning it is over here. All I wanted to do was wear a fucking headset, okay? All I wanted to do was, was wear a fucking headset and now I'm having to fucking suck on a foam dick. It's so annoying. I only want to suck on a phone dick on the weekends. Don't want to do it on the fucking weekdays. But you know what? If you guys say it sounds horrible, and I want to make sure that I'm appeasing both people that watch this and also listen to this on, you know, on the old, on the old podcast platforms, and it probably is only fair that I try and make it, um, you know, a little bit more palatable for everybody that's going to be tuning in. So let me just swap this around, and let me just swap this around. Um, okay, there we go. Can you hear me now? Can you, can you, can you hear me now? Oh, look at that. My hair's all messed up now as well. So I feel like an absolute loser. Every time I try to put a headset in, you guys crush my dreams. That's what it is. Always a dream crusher. Always crushing always crushing a nigger's dreams out here man absolutely horrible you guys are like my joe rogan i'm the brendan you're my joe rogan you know i want to wear a headset and you guys keep saying you know fuck that shit Quit. give it up it's not worth it it's not gonna work out and here i am crying absolutely crying you know <laughs> you're attacking me you're attacking me <laughs> You're attacking me. <laughs> the stream just attacking me. <laughs> the stream just attacking me. You're attacking me. <laughs> Anyways, cool. So we're back now in some semblance. Hopefully that's working better and you guys can hear me soft and soft. That is much better. Okay, cool. People are already saying it's much better. It's much better. Don't change it back. Oh my God. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Good to know. Happy, everybody's happy. No one's going to be complaining anymore. Let me just double check and make sure I'm monitored here. Yep, everything is good. So we're all good, ready to roll. No complaints, hopefully, from the crowd. And you're all appeased. I try and do my best um, for you guys out here. So hopefully, you shall appreciate it. And if you don't, then it is what it is. I learned a valuable lesson. <laughs> Never listen to the crowd. <laughs> either way we all learn lessons oh yeah well big up the stream chat big up you know big up everyone big up coiler i'm sin tyler durden i see you vanilla sky i see you uche i see you big up jordan ray uh robert mini mininus uh natasha ski of course who else is here big up hasib big up chris mack big up um nawi 1982 crash down in 84 1984 sorry everyone that's hanging out here saw lux all of you appreciate you so much for tuning in so um <laughs> what is it your headset is like the word fetch from mean girls like it's just not going to... <laughs> 
You don't want to know how much I spent on that one as well. You don't want to know. You man don't want to know how much I spent on that. <laughs> that money's gone. Oh, but I'm a little bit of a techie junkie guy anyway. I buy loads of shit for just buying. I've got like a million audio interfaces and shit, a million cables. So you know, it's not it's not a big deal. Like if anybody needs a fucking you know an aux cable, let me know. I have like seventeen million. You know. <laughs> <laughs> who's terry joe me and terry joe honestly if uche is took to, who's terry joe is is this some fat white lady because if it is i'm gonna cry it sounds like a fat white lady name i do apologize if you're fat and white and you're not named terry joe but let's see here who the fuck is terry joe oh really you think i look at you think i have a similar love terry? okay I, I love terry joe um he she is flipping amazing i don't care the character terry joe is fucking incredible maybe honestly i'm gonna say this hands down now i honestly do think terry joe this character is funnier than any stand-up comedian on podcast right now with the exception of maybe fear vaughn fear vaughn i keep saying vaughn but fear vaughn as people keep correcting me terry joe is funnier than any it's legit la stand-up comedian on podcast right now i do not care hands down terry joe's funnier i swear down go on twitter go on tiktok find terry joe's account see some of the flipping um duet kind of you know half and half things that she does with you know these really kind of cute looking younger dudes and stuff and it's so funny i swear to god it's impossible not to laugh legit funny legit comedy terry joe over all Bapperverse, gre extended universe comedians all day long i do not care terry joe is funnier than all of them combined absolutely incredible check out terry joe but yeah but big up uche okay i didn't think i had a similar laugh but fair, fair play i'll take it as long as i don't have a burt kreischer laugh i don't really mind to be fair i'll take any laugh except burt kreischer's that nah no thank you i don't want that i don't want that as fear von will say i don't want that i swear to god i don't want that anyway moving on so i was also sitting down and going through and watching one of my favorites and a lady who i'm gonna go out my way to try and defend and protect because i feel like you know her, the treatment that she received on andrew schultz's podcast is really kind of still sitting with me because it stung so much to see her get kind of bullied and kind of ganged up on by some absolute dorks on there right um you know andrew Schultz obviously led the charge but all the other guys were trying to kind of kick her while she was down and that is whitney cummings and i already said it before that i'm part of the whitney cummings cut coalition right the wcc i'm the head honcho of it but after watching her recent special <laughs> the one on netflix at the moment i think it's from last year called jokes there's not many jokes in it and it's kind of brutal i don't agree with people saying online that um gringo pappy is better than whitney cummings jokes on netflix i think that's a little bit too much people are trying to have you know they're trying to be hot tech mcgees and just say anything for the sake of it but god almighty it is really bad like legitimately bad like i realized with whitney cummings with a lot of these guys actually and gals some of these guys rely on their on their kind of familiarity with their fans in order to be funny i feel like 
Like I don't, I, I couldn't imagine anybody coming in from the streets, like cold and not knowing who Whitney Cummings is, thinking she was funny. Like legitimately, I just don't see it unless that kind of you know normie type of humor i'm just not really tapped into but i can't imagine a regular person coming off the streets a civilian as burt crasher would say and whatnot would find whitney coming funny and that special called jokes is legitimately one of the most painful things i've ever had to watch it legitimately made my eyes bleed there were so many things i hated about it the number one thing that i really detest was the way she holds the microphone i know this is a weird thing to say but Whitney Cummings, when she's doing the flipping special, she holds a microphone like this. It's strange, right? It's, I've never seen this before in my entire life. You know, you got a microphone, you kind of hold it like that, right? Like you're holding, you know, like like the way flipping Crystalia asks young girls to hold these PP, right? Like this. But she holds a microphone like that. She puts her thumb like this. Do you see her thumb like like that? Her thumb is like this when she's holding the microphone. So I think I noticed it straight away and I couldn't unnotice it. It's just a weird way to hold a mic. Like she's holding it like she's doing. If you guys work out and you lift and stuff, there's an Olympic, there's a there's a grip that you do if you're doing Olympic weightlifting, um, you know, moves like you're doing, um, uh, what do you call it? You're doing flipping, oh, like power cleans or I don't know what the other one's called. It all kind of escaped my mind, but there's a way to kind of hold the barbell if you're doing Olympic lifts where you sort of like don't you don't wrap your thumb around the barbell but you sort of like wrap it like this i don't know i think it's something like that around there like it's kind of on the outside so it kind of reminded me of that bit i was thinking why is she holding the microphone like she's gonna do a fucking i don't know like a deadlift or something or like a like a cleaning jerk i didn't understand what was going on so i couldn't unsee that legitimately couldn't unsee that anymore then i was watching it i was thinking to myself like also what's up with the outfit why is she wearing this she's wearing in the special for jokes this denim jacket that's been cut and cropped that kind of looks like it kind of reminds me of a balenciaga jacket because they did the similar sort of style where they take a regular jacket and sort of cut it you know a quarter of the way down so you kind of got this like kind of cropped look that you know maybe you can accentuate the female figure a little bit or cutting on the waist but it just looks weird because the denim jacket is not the same shade of blue i'd imagine as a jeans and again i'm not a stickler for this sort of stuff but i am because i'm obviously into clothes and i think when you're wearing a denim suit or as coil is saying here canadian tuxedo i think the best way they usually look is when the shades of blue um especially if you're wearing denim jeans are the same it just kind of hits a bit different with a nice crisp white t-shirt or a vest in top right it's kind of classic americana whether it's kind of really deep indigo blue or it's light wash jeans it kind of helps if they're the same shade so the fact that the jean jacket and the jeans were a different shade made no sense to me then the top on the inside why would you be wearing a denim suit with like a sparkly yoga mum um pilates mother sort of like you know coming i don't know fun time mum type of top thing it just didn't make any sense legitimately a horrible top to wear it it just looks ridiculous it's like a sparkly number maybe it's a flipping onesie that goes in i don't know whatever underneath and shit but i just didn't like how how she looked on stage overall and then when she kept moving around again these are things that before she says jokes so it's just unfortunate these things are happening when she kept moving around i kept noticing how like weird her face looked and i've never noticed that before 
right? And I'm not somebody that says anything kind of disparaging about Whitney Cummings' appearance because I know, you know, she's clearly got her issues in that regard. But I just noticed stuff about her face that I never noticed before just because I guess I wasn't listening to the joke. So I was trying to distract myself with all the other things going around it. So I, I, that, I couldn't take my eyes off that. Then the last thing before all the jokes was the energy. She was so frantic. It felt like she either did a line before she started. She did some Addies, right? Maybe she borrowed them or got some from flipping BGL. Or she just drank a whole bunch of coffee. But she was really turnt. Like, too turnt for me. And it was an hour of her just same podcast energy that she has where she kind of gets frantic and shit. And she's just pacing up and down, squatting, standing. It was just, it was just too much to handle legitimately too much to handle and on top of that the jokes obviously weren't funny for me personally not my kind of flavor and it got me thinking overall right it got me thinking overall and i think somebody left a question about this that i kind of want to add on this i think it's really poignant and it kind of matches oh it's not that one it's this one right uh where is it no no it's not that one where is it where is it this this one there we go no so that was this one there we go this so this is the question right i need to kind of mention because it kind of leads me to the whole whitney cummins thing and then someone posted the best other video I posted, right? And this person says the following, right? This may not be, uh, this is courtesy of drinking with cats. So big up you for leaving the comment. It says to this, this may not, uh, sorry, this may be a hot take. This, this, why can't I speak? This may or may not be a hot take. But if you're not there in the audience and drinking, heavy emphasis on the drinking, I don't really think any stand-up comedy is funny. When I'm just at home listening on my computer, whether it's Shaw, Rogan, Chris Rock, etc., you can uh, tell that some are better than others, but it's honestly tough to get through. And I'm wondering, in this case, maybe it's not Whitney Cummings' fault. Maybe it's just the case of the medium of expression that is stand-up comedy fundamentally needs to be enjoyed in an actual comedy club, in situ, in front of the person. The same way that the shit that I love, like dance music, as good as it is to have these platforms like whore and boiler room and hush and all these other platforms that have djs live streaming or recording their sets so you can see them playing and they whack up on youtube and stuff these stuff these things are amazing but those things can never replicate or substitute the experience of going to a nightclub or a festival and actually listening to a dj play live it might be supplementary. It may kind of be a good thing to kind of get you ready on a night out when you're pre-gaming, but it's never going to replace going out on a night out. So I think the same thing should apply to comedy. You can't really do comedy, I don't think, stand-up and have a real experience just watching it. It's just difficult. I don't know. Or are we cutting these guys too much slack? And the truth of the matter is they're just not funny. <laughs> like is that also the case because i can remember watching you know what's what's the comedy special and again this is the first i remember the first time i watched it i never really knew much about eddie murphy um the one where he's wearing all red that comedy special right that kind of famous one i forgot the name of it i remember watching it the first time when i was super young and i was crying tears of laughter watching that for the first time and that was a film special so i don't think this is true yeah raw exactly coiler so i think maybe it's just terrible stand-up comedians nowadays don't necessarily earn the laughs that they did previously. That might be the case. I think we are giving these guys too much grace and making too many excuses for them. Some of them just might suck at what they do.
genuinely might suck genuinely might suck and i think i've kind of seen that having watched whitney cummings special jokes on netflix that came out last year like it legitimately was hard to get through i don't think it's as bad as gringo pappy no way but god almighty man like it was a lot and it felt like you had to be a fan of hers to give it a chance which is really not the greatest way to kind of you know maybe talk about a special because you'd imagine when you do a comedy special you're trying to reach loads of people it's sort of like a business card a calling card an advertisement for what you do and what you're about and your sense of humor you don't really just want your fans to watch it um that's not really how you even get deals i'd imagine you would get deals because you've got you know newer eyes coming onto you the numbers are reflecting it but yeah i just didn't enjoy her special in a slice i honestly felt it was hard to get through and legitimately brutal legit brutal um i'm not gonna lie legitimately brutal but hey you know what can you do she's gonna be happy doing what she's doing i guess in some respects but i really had a hard time kind of figuring that shit out i really fucking did um moving on from that one and talking about stuff about getting it was hard to get through have you guys seen this video that i posted i'm gonna play a little bit of the clip now maybe i won't play the whole thing but this is a clip i took from the how long gone podcast which is one of my favorite podcasts actually um hey big up tyler durden appreciate the six dollars we appreciate you and the show at as big up tyler Durden. i appreciate you brother thank you for the donation appreciate it much love um so how long gone is one of my favorite podcasts and i listen to it weekly it comes out three times a week think monday wednesday friday so it's kind of similar to how i kind of do my diagostino zinga show check that out on all podcasting platforms you haven't already yeah but they do a good job of kind of covering the stuff that i don't really cover and because they're two white dudes who are you know in excruciatingly insufferable hipsters it's kind of nice to get their perspective on things in terms of culture because some of the interests that i have kind of overlap with what they have also right so i like it, i enjoy it but i guess our two worlds collided um the previous episode i think maybe two episodes back 487 when you know legendary comedian david cross was one of their guests and it's funny because if you're a fan of the How Long Gone podcast, you would know that Jason Stewart, who also goes by Dem Jeans as a DJ, he's come somebody who's always been a bit of a stand-up comedy fan. Um, a lot of fans, especially the guys on Reddit, always say how funny he is. Male people kind of, you know, recommend him to do stand-up himself. Um, but he's just generally a big fan of comedy. But he's also somebody that kind of, you know, moans about the same thing that I kind of moan about. Um, when it comes to stand-up comedians not being funny the podcast maybe being a bit too much and being boring and then chris black on the other side his other co-host um, he's someone that doesn't really rate stand-up comedians in the slightest and goes out of his way to kind of shit on them and basically say they're not funny in any way shape or form but the irony of it is that most of the time on how long gone their best guests for me as a fan of watching a show their best guests are when they get comedians on when they have journalists and writers and authors it can be a real kind of coin toss especially if they're like Condé Nast adjacent people they're just really devoid of any sort of personality and a bit boring to kind of check out and listen to but I know they're gonna play the game and sort of like you know um shake hands and kiss babies and shit so do what you gotta do but usually when they have comedians because they're so you know used to doing that kind of platform of podcast interviews anyway they always smash it and they don't really need any prompts or any kind of pulling of teeth to make the show fun or entertaining so when david cross went on there i knew it would be an interesting pod to listen to but it was funny just about maybe over halfway through 
um, they mention how they recently went to go see Rogan perform and how much they didn't like it. And I'm not too sure if they didn't know how close David Cross or no, I'm not sure if they knew about David Cross's history in stand up overall and maybe how close he is to Rogan. But I just love the fact that they went in and just were just being, you know, basically saying that Rogan isn't funny at all in the slightest and not doing the whole like tipping of the hat and being afraid to mention his name in a certain way and just speaking how regular people will speak about Rogan who are not connected with the industry in the slightest, right? Whose maybe income or career opportunities are not dependent on making sure they're friendly with Rogan. And I think it was a pretty refreshing um, exchange because for once you got people speaking about him and his comedy in a maybe somewhat honest way and it also made me think about how i view his comedy because i'm someone that can say that even though it's not my type of funny i can understand why people would like it for me it's a little bit too much a little bit too much of the sam kinnison shouty shouty type of stuff it's never been my vibe but i can get why people would like it and i also think he's a legit student of the game and i think more comedians should probably have rogan as their idol as opposed to Dave Chappelle because I think Rogan is somebody that a lot of people can maybe aim to emulate because he kind of willed himself into being a comedian as I said as mentioned before in the previous podcast I don't think he's naturally a funny dude but he really loves comedy and he just probably sat down day after day and just kept writing jokes kept going up and performing open mics whatever it may be getting past in places just so he can achieve his dream and he finally did do it so that's something that people should look at to kind of emulate um, more so than the naturally gifted people who came from the womb super funny and you know it just was never that hard for them ever it's kind of hard to sort of emulate that or to kind of copy that so long story less long this is a clip i took of them talking about rogan with david cross and i thought it's hilarious i'm going to play a bit for you here this is how long gone podcast guys chris black and jason stewart talking to chris david cross sorry about how much they hated going to see joe rogan perform live I mean, it's funny you say that because I kind of feel the same way about stand up. And I like I've I guess the only time I've paid for it is when I took Jason to see Joe Rogan as a joke. And then it wasn't it wasn't funny. It cost me 300 large and it wasn't funny at all. It wasn't funny as a joke and he wasn't funny as a comedian. So it was a very confusing kind of expenditure. It stopped being funny the second I had to put my cell phone in a lockbox. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this I'm already out. Yeah, because you were going to play Wordle. You were going to play Wordle. I was like, let's go check out what this popular podcaster has going on. You know, when he touches the stage. And I have to say it was I, I Jason knew Jason keeps up with the stuff a little more than me. So he knew what we were getting into. And the the look on his face when I was like five minutes and I was like, let's leave, dude. This is insane. Like, it's not I, I just assumed <laughs> there would be some jokes in there, but there weren't any jokes. I, I kept looking. And I didn't see them. I didn't hear them. Now, I'm sorry. Was he doing stand up or was he doing a live thing of his podcast? No, this was this was stand up. This was stand up oh, at, yeah. the, at the fabulous Fox Theater sold out multiple Come on, David Cross. You know Joe Rogan doesn't do live podcasts. You know exactly what they're talking about. They went to go see Joe Rogan do stand-up comedy in a massive flipping theater somewhere, crazy sold-out venue, and he was terrible, according to them. You know it wasn't a live podcast. Like, come on. <laughs> Nights in a row. Crazy. Crazy. And uh, Fitzsimmons opened for him, and he kind of did his like racist fifteen, and then <laughs> Greg Fitzsimmons, yeah, Greg Fitzsimmons, yeah, he's not, he doesn't do racist <laughs> stuff, honey. Does he? It was, no. like, I, it wasn't. No. He wasn't doing racist. It's funny because this podcast also I, I listen to it a lot, but they're kind of um, 
what would you call it? Um, they're a little bit sensitive when it comes to certain topics. Maybe it's because of the coast. I think one of the guys is engaged to an Asian lady, so maybe that's a kind of a bit of the trigger anyway. But they don't really respond too well to some of the more, let's say, quote-unquote, edgier jokes. But I did find this funny. They tried to, you know, say that Greg Simmons is a flipping racist comic, right? Like he's fucking Anthony Cumia or some shit when he just was maybe razzing and saying something funny on stage and then they immediately walked it back like they basically said it he was racist and then immediately when they were pressed about it they kind of tucked their tail in and got a little bit scared let's run that back one more time but that was a really funny little catch there they didn't really stand on it yeah let's just quickly run that back just a little bit crazy crazy and uh fitzsimmons opened for him and he kind of did his like racist 15 and then <laughs> greg fitzsimmons yeah greg fitzsimmons yeah he's not he doesn't do racist <laughs> stuff <laughs> Honey, does he? It was no. like I. It wasn't. No. He wasn't doing racist <laughs> stuff, but he was. I mean, anyone who opens for uh, Joe Rogan or somebody like him panders to the the Blue Lives Matter crowd. You know what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Joe Rogan is now the ambassador of Blue Blue Lives Matter, huh? And when did Blue? And also, again, I'm not American, but Blue Lives Matter isn't racist, is it? If anything, Blue Lives Matter is what it says on the fucking tin <laughs> and no police are like <laughs> what <laughs> it's obviously kind of um not kind of it's obviously maybe a little bit tad problematic and has its issues and clearly doesn't um you know um, advocate for accountability or responsibility in any way shape or form uh, when it comes to police especially police brutality and all the other nonsenses that these police forces across the united states probably get up to but to suggest that it's some sort of racist unit racist coalition of people is legitimately insane and then to say joe rogan is like the chief of the you know chief executive officer of blue lives matter also is legitimately batshit insane these guys are on one, I swear to God. But David Cross got a little bit... <laughs> I think he, he did well not to bite. He just let them kind of run with it. Well, that's a that's a bummer. Uh, yeah, of course. I like Greg. I, I, I know Greg. I like him. He's I a legend. He's a legend. I don't think... He <laughs> okay. Robert Minnis. To be fair, in the chat, to be fair, I've met some really nice thin blue lines, folks in Midwest of the US, but also some very racist ones. Okay, fair play. <laughs> Touche, touche, touche. He's a racist guy, but he's you know he's old enough to make a couple you know Asian jokes or whatever here and there, where it's on the borderline. You know what I mean? But right. yeah, when Joe went up, he's just kind of like saying like profound sentences, and the crowd like stands up and is like, "Now wait, wait, <laughs> you know, like, have you guys seen the uh, the?" Uh... That's pretty true, though. I, after watching, again, I haven't watched Rogan's specials in ages, but I do remember laughing at a few a few times. But one thing I do remember when I rewatched Triggered again on Netflix is that, oh, yeah, he does say a lot of like, a lot of like rah rah lines. Like it sounds like you're at, um, it sounds like you're at, uh, I don't know. It sounds like you're at a USC version of Hillsong. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Like he says these lines and it kind of razzes people up, but they're not funny. You know, it kind of gets an applause break. Like, you know his opinions he has these really good joe rogan's really good at kind of a kind of really succinct succinct hot takes that are like one or two lines 
right? He has little hot takes, little tidbits that he has about, um, I don't know, cancel culture, about trans people in sports, about, I don't know, gun control. All these topics, he seems to have a couple of lines that people would generally, on either side of the aisle, probably agree with or laugh at. And he did the same thing on stage, like a little bit of that. And it was so weird. I was like, right, that's true, actually. He's got this kind of same, it's the same, it's, it's the same podcast material that you listen to on any other given GRE episode with the little sprinklings of him going down. Because that's the thing he talks about a lot on his podcast, you know, the general, the general topics. And then, of course, the added little sprinkling of, oh, what rabbit hole did Joe Rogan go down in this time? Was it carving knives? Was it wooden furniture? Was it bow arching? Was it a particular new martial arts that he's discovered? Was it, a, uh, I don't know, some topic in a book? There's always some topic or something that he kind of does a deep dive in. And that was just one other thing that he kind of added his material. But it was all kind of the same shit you hear in the flipping podcast. Uh, Tim Heidecker joe rogan spoof yeah it's yeah it's, it's so yeah. good it's so fucking good and it's one of those it's like performance pieces where the it's like funny then it's not funny then it's really funny then it's not funny again then it's mm. even crazier funny it's just three it's it's just brilliant yeah if you oh yeah Koyla absolutely smashed it Koyla absolutely smashed it that is exactly the premise he uses. I don't like the it's simple but weird premise he always does. Exactly. That's exactly what he does. Like, dude, isn't this stuff like, like you know, one thing and then he kind of, you know, the other thing is super crazy. Like, that's a that's all of his jokes. Like, dude, isn't that crazy? Dude, isn't that crazy? <laughs> that's his flipping. That's his premise. That's like the Caucasian version of like, I don't know, um, white guys are like, black guys are like, you know, that's sort of that kind of, yeah. If you're like, if you, if you... <laughs> sorry, I do keep mentioning the Caucasian thing because I know there are some people in the chat that get pissed off when I say that shit. I don't know, I just find it funny. I actually find that shit funny. But some people generally don't like it when I say that. The blacks and the whites. <laughs> uh, the blacks be like, Arr. the whites be like, help me. <laughs> oh, shit. Honestly, honestly, let me continue. Let me continue. You hold on for the whole entire ride. It takes you into a dark, deep place, but it's rewarding yeah. for sure. It's great. It's really great. I guess I just expected. Oh, by the way, talking about that Tim Heidecker thing, right? That was a time when I realized that Joe Rogan's humor had kind of changed and he wasn't maybe as or he wasn't the chill cool guy that we all kind of know and love because I was legitimately surprised when that Tim Heidecker little spoof of Rogan podcast and stuff when that went viral I was surprised that he didn't he wasn't invited to the Joe Rogan experience legitimately surprised I would have thought that would have been a good reason to get him in, even though they probably have opposing political opinions and whatnot. I thought that would have made for a far more interesting podcast than getting Dave Smith on again to just sit there and nod. Do you know what I mean? I thought that would have made it far more funnier. But Joe nowadays, I feel like the older he's got, the more unwilling he is to actually sit down with people he legitimately disagrees with. He just doesn't, he's not bothered. Like, I don't think he's scared or anything people just say. He's just not bothered. I think when you have that kind of money, it affords you the opportunity to be like, you know what? I'm just going to not speak to you because I'm just not bothered to speak to you. Like, he has fuck you money so he can say fuck you. 
but I really wanted him. I really wanted him to invite Tim Heidecker on. I think that would have made for a really good podcast, personally. I, I understand that for comedians, podcasting is obviously a big money maker, but it also sells tickets. You know what I mean? Like that's the, once you sure. have a giant yeah, yeah. audience, they're yeah. going to come see you no matter what. But I assumed after years of uh, stand up and and other assorted, you know, um, MMA hosting gigs, that we would get a few jokes in there. But it but it wasn't even it wasn't even like it was like there weren't like Jason saying it was just kind of like statements. Like it, and I think that's the thing. I'll leave it there. You can watch the t- the entire thing on my channel now. It's titled "Bi Coastal Hipster Elites Tell David Cross That Joe Rogan Is Not Funny." It's maybe one of my better titles, actually. I sat down and actually thought about this, so please check it out if you can. A little clip I put on there, and there's also a link to the full podcast if you want to check it out here also. How Long Gone, episode number 487, interview with David Cross, but do subscribe to their pod anyway. It's fucking funny. I do like it and enjoy it, even though I find Chris Black incredibly insufferable, but I do find the podcast great to listen to regardless. But the last point that they mentioned, right, the last point they mentioned, what Chris Black said about he just fought somebody that Rogan, who does loads of like UFC announcing, USC commentating, always kind of performing in some way, shape, or form, has a history in TV, bloody blah, 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 podcasting all the time. He just would have thought it would have been a bit more jokey, right? It would have been a bit more fun. And I think that's the main reason why these guys also, oh no, it's not the main reason. It's another reason why a lot of these guys aren't as funny. Because I feel like Whitney Cummings being another, you know, example of it. They speak so passionately and so kind of like, yeah, they speak so, we speak with so much passion about stand-up to a point where, you know, most people want to throw themselves out of a window. You'd expect somebody that cares that deeply about their craft or just speaks about the business of stand-up ad nauseum, you'd think they'd be funny on stage if you took it that seriously. Okay, cool. You're going to be amazing on the stage. But they're not. So why waste all that time pontificating about the craft when the work that you do on stage isn't that great, right? The craft itself is terrible. That's what I don't get. And maybe that's the whole reason why they do it. Maybe all that talking, that pontificating, that rambling, that flipping, trying to intellectualize, telling dick jokes on stage sort of thing. Maybe that is a kind of route to sort of like avoid actually doing the hard work, which is trying to be funny, trying to put on a good show, trying to entertain your audience trying to make sure that they come back again because i feel like a lot of these guys also this is a, a little thing that i've kind of noticed again i feel like some of these guys don't even like i don't know if this makes any sense but i don't feel like they actually even want to get fans like new fans of their comedy if they want to get maybe new listeners for their podcast but i don't feel like they go out there on the road or putting specials together hoping to get new fans on board like i'm gonna put on a fun show so if somebody comes and sees me, they're going to think I'm great. They're going to be impressed and they're going to want to be like, you know what, I'm going to come see him every time he plays in my city. I feel like it's just more so podcast listeners equals more plays, equals more views, equals more downloads, equals more ads, equals more money. But then which also equals opportunity to play in bigger places, bigger, more tickets. But I don't feel like they are in it to get more fans, if that makes any sense. So the whole idea around entertaining people isn't really there that's the thing i really don't see with these guys they're not fun or entertaining they don't put like a rogan ticket is probably going to cost you a hundred dollars for seats in the fucking nosebleeds right most likely um decent seats up front i don't know maybe 500 pounds i'd assume so rogan's are that kind of level so you're spending 
anywhere between a hundred dollars to five hundred dollars to see Rogan perform and he's shouting at you about you know trans people in sports and shit cancel culture pandemic shit or whatever he's talking about you know airplanes are, I don't know crashing his Tesla who knows it's like it's a bit hard to justify that one bit hard but hey as usual I don't know jack shit I'm just talking out of my ass I'm just trying to entertain the very small amount of people that I have watching me on whatever basis that I am here I just keep that shit moving in it I just keep that shit moving so moving on from that one let's talk about this he crashes tesla yeah mate um joe rogan was just in a big car crash actually the whole car and him blew up in flames so next podcast we're gonna see flipping brendan go yeah i can't talk i can't talk we're gonna see him doing that so <laughs> oh anyway moving on from that one um solidarity and support i guess solidarity and support i guess <laughs> now nah, coila i'm joking man of course he's fine um solidarity and support i guess to my writers out there big up all the writers who are currently on strike um they are striking over there in the united states of america the writers guild association wga have decided to go and you know go on strike to demand more monies as people usually do and this is an article courtesy of ap news this is why hollywood writers are striking in the middle and sorry an immediate impact it says the union representing eleven thousand five hundred um writers of film television and other entertainment forms are now on strike it's the first strike and hollywood's first strike of any kind in 15 years here's a look at the storylines the fight has spawned why writers are striking streamline streaming and its ripple effects are the center of the dispute the guild has guild says that even as series budgets have increased writers share of the money has constantly shrunk which is consistently shrunk which is probably the main issue right in general because I think that if you keep the money the same and the streaming money is increasing, that's one thing. But the streaming money is increasing and you're reducing the amount the writers are being paid, that's going to be a bit of an issue, you would imagine. Streaming services use a smaller staff, known in the industry as mini rooms, for shorter stints that has made sustained income harder to come by. The Guild says, and the number of writers working at Guild's minimums has gone from about third to about half in the past decade. Writers of comedy variety shows for streaming have no minimum production at all, the Guild says. A quote. On TV staff, more writers are working at minimum regardless of experience, often for few weeks, the Guild said in March. The lack of regular seasonal calendar um, in streaming has depressed by pay further, and the report says the scheduled annual pay bumps under the current um, contract have fallen well short of the increase in inflation. The weekly minimum for a staff writing television series in 2019 to 2020 was 4546 according to industry trade outlet um, Variety. They, um, they work an average of 29 weeks on a network show uh, for 131, 834 annually um, and an average of 20 weeks on a streaming show for $90,920 as well. 
for writer producer the figure is six thousand nine thousand six thousand nine hundred and sixty seven the alliance of motion and picture television which represents hollywood um studio streamers and production companies say their priority is long-term health and safety industry now um they are obviously the added um position of this also is that um if i'm not mistaken ai has also come into the fold so ai is also going to cause them issues because studios are now trying to implement or use um stuff like chat gpt and whatever it may be um to kind of fill in the flipping blanks whenever they may be here war or just to kind of replace writers overall my only issues my only issues um with this oh and also sorry that has gone so 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 it's obviously the pay has been reduced even though streaming networks are still pumping more money into shows even ones that fail um the residuals have also gone down over the years so people i think somebody said recently i forgot who it was somebody said like a couple of years ago they got like i don't know 10 grand worth of residuals and now recently the recent paycheck they got was something within the hundreds so the pay is going ridiculously low in residuals so anything you're going to make back off and not being paid well up front on residuals you're now not getting it anyway and then of course the invasion of ai is decimating their flipping industry and then of course they're not being regular pay it being kind of seasonal you have to have loads of jobs on the go at the same time the only issue that i have with this in general the only issue i have with this is that a lot of writing on TV shows that I watch, that I'm into, right, is not good. And it's not, it's not been good for a long time. A lot of people can say that you can blame, like, studio executives. You can blame, like, networks kind of, you know, sticking their fat little fingers in and trying to fuck shit up or put their stamp on things, which then leads things to be fucked up. But overall, I think we can all agree the writing on all our favorite shows has really fallen off a cliff. So I'm not too sure if this strike is going to have the same impact as previous strikes, especially with the technology that we have now and the advances that we have nowadays. I just think more people, especially and also with people who are more willing to work um, in a kind of, um, who, are, who are willing to work in a quasi gig economy, they're going to be happy to maybe fill in the blanks and take any kind of work that's given um, to kind of supplement whatever else income they have going on. So I think the days of maybe sitting and wishing that you get your entire salary paid by just writing alone has maybe gone for a lot of people. And a lot of people are maybe doing other things, whether it's writing on Substack, they've got their own blog, they've got their own podcast, they've got other streams of income that are coming in to, some, to, come to, sub, to, to kind of offset what they make or what they don't make on writing. And maybe writing is just a passion project. And then with AI and stuff, it kind of gets tricky. But I think overall, the writing on most shows has been so shit, so crap that I find it hard, as much as I like to back these guys up, to have that much sympathy for them. Because I feel like if these guys and girls were writing really good shows, they wouldn't need to strike. Because, you know, they have they sit down and these get you know, these people at these networks and streaming companies would know their value and they'd be kind of trying to make sure that they kind of keep them on board and be writing them whatever check that they want to make sure that they're happy. But I feel like you know maybe there's too many writers out there not enough jobs maybe the market is uncertain the way it is you know netflix is you know notorious for pumping money into shows and then just dropping them after the first season with no indication on the fucking numbers and what they did like they're crazy with it so if that's the case and they're taking these big bets then sometimes these big bets they're going to be risky they're going to come with consequences and you may be fortunate where your big bet is that you were on the writing team for Emily in Paris and that go and that goes 
all your big bet you're gonna write in teeth for some shitty series that didn't go after a couple one season then you're kind of you know back to flipping flipping burgers and shit it's just maybe the nature of the game and now with the possibility of making money on places like Substack, Patreon, um, Twitter and now is kind of exploring monetization options, obviously YouTube, the stuff that I do, it's just a little bit foolhardy to maybe put all your eggs in the basket of writing only in Hollywood, only within the entertainment industry. It seems a bit crazy. And for the most part, what we've seen of these guys and girls writing, the writing isn't that great. Isn't that great? Let's be real, it's not that great. I don't think so. Um so i don't know i'm hoping they get their money my part of me is like look go get your money go, and i like the the fact that everybody's going on strike and all these shows are kind of grinding to a halt because they don't have writers i fucking love that side of things they're putting where they're, they're standing on their shit they're about their business i love that sort of vibe about it but i also think they're only in this position because unfortunately they were not what's that thing called they were not indispensable right um, they weren't a linchpin in their companies or in their places of work so people were you know not probably willing to kind of give them whatever money they were thinking they were deserving of that's the only issue but hopefully they get their money i'm wishing that they do um quite this is the only time you see decent show is now when a big star gets a random chance to write and direct it like ozarks and zachary Koyla, and even then that's why it's not the great and Uchi says that's why gen z is obsessed with 90s and early 2000s of course yeah 100 percent, man like you watch a lot of those shows and you think to yourself, oh, this show could never have been on TV nowadays. But it's not even that. Like, that shouldn't be the first thing that people should be thinking about. The first thing people should be thinking about when you watch those shows is that, why don't we get more of these well-written shows nowadays? Like, you think about the first, I don't know, you think of something even like crappy like Prison Break, the first season of that. Like, is there anything on TV nowadays that's as good as the first season of Prison Break? And that wasn't even that long ago right and like i don't know the writing standards are so bad right now really really bad um oh yeah tulsa king is really good people are saying um, chris mack um i like tulsa king but there's not many really good shows out there unfortunately it's all a bit shitty it's all a bit shitty moving on from that one quickly want to touch upon this let's go on this one let's go in order oh so my nose is leaking a little bit here um Let's talk about this. Let's say this. Let's go here. Um, sending prayers out to Jamie Foxx. This is courtesy of TMZ. It says, Jamie Foxx, pray for Jamie. It says, Jamie Foxx remained hospitalized more than three weeks after suffering medical emergency. And those closest to him say he needs all the prayers and well wishes his fans can muster. Why does that condition remain secret? Tightly guarded by his family. We've spoken with sources who say they could the same plea, pray for Jamie. Um, it was April 12th when Met Fox's daughter, Corinne, his daughter there, he does the show with, announced his father suffered a medical complication. Um, Jamie is one of the most prolific um, players in Hollywood. His condition has sent studio scrambling. Jamie has been the host of popular Beaches and Music um, game show Fox, which was going to production just days after he was hospitalized. Sources with direct knowledge of the Tell Us Jamie will not be in his season of Beaches and which I was filming starts today with the new host. We're also told that Corin, who Gigi's on the show, will not be on as well. She's been officially up to in Atlanta by her dad's side. Big up, Angel Reagan. Appreciate you. Big up, has. Happy to catch a live random show. Yes, you know the vibe. Big up, Asian, uh, Angel Reagan. Appreciate you, man. Honestly, do. Thank you for the 1669. I appreciate you. End of the month, we're having a beer and cat party. You know how we do beer and cat party all the way. If you don't like it, go and cry to your mother. 
But yeah, big up um, Jamie Foxx. Um, praying for him. Really, I'm praying for him and hope he does have some sort of speedy recovery very soon. And he did post on Instagram um, that he um, appreciates all the love and he's feeling blessed. So clearly, he's in better spirits that he's posting on Instagram. That's obviously a big sign that somebody's finally on the mend. From what I've been hearing and reading online through the flipping social media streets, people are suggesting or pontificating or debating on the idea that probably it was some sort of stroke that happened um which is crazy considering how young he is and how kind of fit he is and how much he looks after himself and whatnot and he seems to be somebody that's rather healthy you would imagine who knows maybe it's not the case but then having done some other investigations and gone into some darker streets on social media i have heard and seen people suggest allegedly that this could be some sort of issue relating to class a substances that maybe you know it's like a what you think called it's like a it's like a what it's like a warehouse it's like a well-known secret of in the industry that jamie likes to party and shit and that maybe could have led to him having heart issues allegedly that would lead him to having you know some sort of stroke or whatever maybe that people are alleging happening that's what i've been seeing and reading online which is kind of wild because I haven't necessarily heard Jamie's name associated with drugs in that way. I've heard partying because he's been known to throw these amazing parties that he speaks about all the time. Where he gets people to perform and shit. And he's just a little bit of a playboy and whatnot. And a great party host. But I never really took him to be a guy that likes a party the same way that I like to party, you know? <laughs> I kind of thought he was a little bit more, you know, there's a lot of those kind of guys in America who kind of just love to flip and drink. Like, they don't drink a lot, but when they do drink, they go flipping crazy. They love their tequila, they love their champagne, they love smoking cigars and shit. I just thought he was one of those type of dudes. But clearly, from what I've been hearing, that may be the case. Um, so, is it fentanyl that is in the coke, as people are suggesting? Maybe. Maybe it's just not even that. Maybe it could be the fact that he maybe overuses it, because I've heard that to be an issue. If you do too many substances that you sniff up your nose and shit, that might lead you to having some complications with your respiratory functions, maybe your heart, whatever. I don't know. Um, that's what I've been hearing on the East Street. So I'm hoping that isn't true. Or even if it is true, maybe this is an inflection point as well that you kind of need to change. Um, that might be the case. But then I do remember after reading that flipping crazy story of Kate Quigley, if you guys remember that, right? Kate Quigley's story where three of her friends that she went out with I think two of them were comedians and whatnot, maybe all of them were comedians, and they were back at their Airbnb, and then they decided to get some blow and kind of, you know, drink whatever um, back at the Airbnb, and then when they got all high and she woke up, like three of her friends were dead because they had an overdose, or I think the coke was laced with fentanyl or whatnot, right? So she's the only one who survived within that group. Like, imagine how crazy and weird she must feel. But I do remember reading on certain places that quite soon after that, despite what she went through allegedly this is what i heard online that she was back out doing gear anyway which is kind of insane so sometimes people think these crazy tragic instances that happen to you in life is when it comes to drugs or drinking are really going to change you legit right right but it doesn't it doesn't actually work that way you have to decide you want to change like it doesn't mean because you have some life or death situation happening that it's now going to make you put everything down no no no. you have to want to change yourself legitimately and um allegedly 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 um she 
you know, maybe back on that gear and stuff. Who knows? Who flipping knows? But she was actually the one person who I actually, I've never DM'd anybody to have an interview, but I think I DM'd Kate Quigley when it happened. I'm pretty sure I did. Um, she's the only person who I legitimately um, would want to sit down and interview and kind of find out about that whole thing because that is wild, like, to wake up and have, you know what I mean? Like, you're at a, house, you're at a little house party shindig at an Airbnb or whatnot, chilling, having some good times. And then, you know, you order some blow, maybe as people would do, you got some drinks in, you're racking up the lines, you're having a good time, you're putting some music on the MP3 player, on the flipping Bluetooth speaker, whatever it may be, and then you just black out, and then when you wake up, all your friends are dead. Like, Jesus, like, I would love to hear that story, legitimately. Um, but, yeah, I did not I did not get a reply, unfortunately. This was a long, long time ago, but legitimately, that was the only person I would legitimately like to actually interview and sit down with and, and see what that was all about, because I feel like that would be flipping crazy. Um, um, but, yeah, what do I know, innit? What do I know? What we're saying in the chat here, um, Jesse L, did you DM her BGI, BGLS dick pic? No, why would I do that? No, 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 no. Kiko isn't my vibe, man. Um, Kiko isn't my vibe. Like she's too. Sh I don't know. I'm not gonna say nothing. Let me just move on. Um, <laughs> that song, all my friends are dead, playing in the background. <laughs> exactly. Jordan Ray pushed me to the edge. I like her on the church. Yeah, exactly. Quite. She was amazing on the church. And what's happening right now? Um, but again, she 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 might be one of those comedians actually that suffered a lot because everybody moved to Austin. Weirdly enough, like she had maybe had a little crew with her when everyone was around, and now everyone's kind of moved away. She's maybe a little bit lost, I don't know, but not really see or hear about her anymore. She's not really on podcasts. I don't know if she has her own. She's got it's gone a bit quiet for Kate Quigley out here. I'm sure she's doing fine, but you don't really see her about anymore. Um, she has a specialist rough. Oh, really? Is that bad? Okay, I'll check it out. I need to. If it's that, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a thing. I'm gonna have a. I have a kink for watching horrible stand up specials. I think wasting my time watching them. Don't see how Fentanyl has his in the. No, exactly, Uche. No, Fentanyl hasn't hit the UK as hard as it's hit US. I don't really know why that is. Because if I remember correctly, and again, I don't know the substance, so I always say this fucking story, but I remember during the pandemic, or during the, yeah, during the pandemic when everyone was locked down, um, drug sales went through the roof, right? Most of the time, because a lot of people were indoors, bored, didn't have stuff to do, and wanted to kind of, you know, while away time. And just kind of, you know, whatever, hasten whatever nightmare we were living in or kind of make it somewhat manageable. But then around the same time that drugs were really popular during lockdown, I also remember there was a big bust on that um, application or phone, um, you know, on that encrypted messaging service called EncroChat where you had to use a particular phone. And they busted all these kind of syndicates and groups who were smuggling drugs into Europe. And one story I remember reading was that around that time they took a, they took down some of the bigger groups because everyone was locked down, so they could essentially wrap, wrap round up a lot of these big figures because they knew where they were. They most of them were at home. They were messaging on the flipping encrypted, you know, chat thing that they had hacked. They were seeing all their dealings and stuff, so they basically were picking them up one by one. But at the same time that was happening there was some sort of ingredient i don't know what the ingredient is but i think the ingredient is used in ketamine it's used in mdma and other stuff that they used to get specifically from china and what i heard a story that i remember reading one time was that whether that substances that they put into mdma into ketamine and into other stuff um to make it good or whatever it may be that got um that became illegal to sort of like i guess 
just sort of like import legally. It became illegal, it became an illegal substance, whatever that thing is. And it made it harder for these criminal syndicates or these drug groups, whatever they may be, to produce and manufacture high quality MDMA, ketamine and other stuff. So people started cutting corners. So for a little period, there was a time where there was a lot of like shitty drugs in the streets. But that was a small time. But it wasn't to do with fentanyl. So I don't really know why the fentanyl thing. So I say all that to say, I'm not too sure why fentanyl hasn't taken a grip on the UK as much as it has in the United States. Because it should. Because, you know, we have shitty drugs here. And if you have shitty drugs and you want to give them a potent kick, you sprinkle a bit of fent in it. If you want to make sure people get more addicted, you sprinkle a bit of fentanyl in it also, do a little salt-based sprinkle, and, you know, you got people hooked and you got people more high. But obviously the consequences are grave. So I'm not too sure why that has happened because it's not like people in the UK don't do shitty drugs. They do it all the time. But um, I don't know. Not really too sure. Anyway, moving on for that one. We got this article courtesy of TMZ. It's a Deontay Wilder was arrested in LA and booked on a gun charge. Free Deontay Wilder. Free the bombs bomber. Free my uh, black brethren. Please. It says here, Deontay Wilder spent some um, oh, part of his Tuesday morning locked behind bars. TMZ has learned the star boxer was arrested in his Los Angeles following a routine traffic stop. Law enforcement tell us Wilder was pulled over in Hollywood at around 1.15am by LAPD officers claimed his Rolls Royce windows were illegally tinted and his license plate was obscured, obstructed. By the way, what is it with you guys in America? Why is it? Why do the police over there have such a boner for tinted windows? In the UK, usually, which is strange to say it's a good thing, but in the UK, if you've got a decent car, a decent motor, as we like to say, you're going to get pulled over. But it doesn't matter if you've got tints or you don't have tints. It's just mostly about the car and the police officers essentially doing a bit of racial profiling and thinking, oh, this black cunt can't be driving this fucking you know, Urus or this Rolls Royce, right? What's this fucking black donut doing? He should be on a bus. He should be on a bicycle or some shit, right? That's what they usually do. But in the States, you guys have a weird thing where if it's tinted, you just think the guy's Batman or some shit. It's really strange. The tints just trigger police officers. It's really odd. Ah, okay. <laughs> cool. That makes sense. <laughs> Brandon's saying in the chat, guns, homie. That's completely makes sense. Okay, that makes sense then. That makes complete sense. Easy excuse, probable cause, no need to be yeah, cool. Okay, that's that's fair. That's fair, that's fair, that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. That makes complete sense why you have a, such a boner for putting people over that have tints because you don't want them to pull out a strap. Or you don't want you, you want to make sure they don't have a full arsenal of AR fifteens in the back seat. I get that. It continues. It says during the stop, cops say that they smelled an odor of burnt marijuana coming from his side. Um so they searched the car. One sources say they found weed and a nine millimeter in the vehicle and put wilder into custody we're told that six foot seven was cooperative and nice throughout the whole ordeal damn 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 homie um our sources say the first terminal was booked in the charge of possession of concealed weapon and jerry show is bonded out six foot 44 a.m so most likely he'll get off it because he's rich and stick but it is kind of scary and sad to see somebody like him would feel the need to go around walking you know go around driving with a gun you would imagine you have security to kind of do that kind of job but also paying for security all the time to kind of follow you around is also expensive so he probably took the law into his own hands 
he said Jody White appeared to address the arrest on Twitter saying I'd rather be safe than sorry the end which I don't really have an issue with him at all so big up Deontay Wilder hopefully he's able to kind of get off this and not have to spend any time in jail or prison anywhere shape or form um I really do hope that's the case oh people saying in the chat there are so many guns in America AJ it's truly remarkable yeah true that's that's something I really kind of don't take for granted I, t I, I kind of you know don't figure in my mind because obviously we don't have guns over here but I can just imagine on the quote-unquote black market or just being traded behind back streets and shit you know the amount of guns are floating around must be legitimately insane so to keep a handle on it, it must be crazy so I guess whatever the police can do to kind of mitigate those things like pulling over people in tents I guess makes some sort of level of sense but I think you're minding your business and shit and you just want to have tents because stylistically you like what they look like it can be a little bit annoying to get pulled over consistently because they think you're gonna be you know turn your little town into waco or some shit that might be a bit crazy but hey <laughs> oh yeah chop gutter cleaning mine as we as i watch this yes bro clean that look at my that's how i hold mine that's how i hold mine look at my have i got a good gun control do i have a good gun control look at that is that good oh, oh, oh my hand's hurting <laughs> I don't have good control, do I? Look at that. I look a bit weird. <laughs> anyway, what can we do? Moving on from that one. Um, what else we got to talk about here? Bear with me a second as I get it up again here. Uh, oh, mate, have you seen? Okay, last thing, we move on to the comedy stuff. Oh, my God. Do you guys seen this news? Have you guys seen this news? This is fucking scary. So, Kremlin drone. Zelensky denies Ukraine attacked Putin or Moscow. So, the story is there was some sort of drone attack that took place in Moscow. And, of, of course, the Russian government are alleging that Ukrainian forces were trying to assassinate fucking, you know, Vladimir Putin because they thought he was in that building. So, now this war is being ramped up to another level. So you can imagine the retaliation is going to be insane from Russia. Insane. And we're already reaching a point where I was thinking to myself, like, how long is this going to go on? They should reach a moment or a point where they can maybe sit around a table and stuff and maybe come to some sort of, you know, ceasefire or something. But then it's just too, but then you think about it logically and you think there's just too much blood has been spilled. Just recently, a block of flats in Ukraine was bombed by a missile. I think 50, last time I checked, like 15 civilians had died. Loads of little kids and shit and mums, like just horrendous, like legit to me, like a civilian flat block somewhere. And if you just have like, there's no, there's no kind of scenario that I can ever see ukraine and russia sitting down at the table and kind of you know hashing shit out it's just gone too far now and this is a clear example of how far it's gone read the article here or just watch let's watch a bit of the clip actually this is um courtesy of bbc it shows the attack i guess happening there or maybe the brief attack of it or the points of it russia claims that ukraine tried to kill vladimir putin in the early hours of wednesday this is the first video we have it's in moscow we see an object flying from the left and explode. Jesus. Now, let's play it again and pause here. 
We know this is Moscow because this is Red Square. Here's a recent picture of the same place with the Kremlin wall in the background and stands for next week's victory parade. You can see those stands in the video too, meaning it's also recent. And if we play the video on and pause again, there's the object flying towards the wow, dome of the Senate Palace. Look at that. Moments before it explodes, we can see people on the dome. We don't know who they are or what they're doing. Jesus. Now, Russia says it was attacked by two unmanned aerial vehicles. In other words, drones. We can't confirm that. And if that's one video, here are three more. This is a map of Russia with Moscow in the west. And all of these videos show this part of the city. Here's the second. The BBC's verification team has confirmed it was posted at 3.16 Moscow time on Wednesday morning. We see the same dome with smoke rising from it. The words are the name of a local telegram channel that posted the video. This next video shows the Senate Palace dome with fire clearly visible. And then this shows an object flying in from the right. Again, we see an explosion. Russia says all of this was a planned terrorist act and an assassination attempt on the president but has provided no evidence to back that up. Ukraine says it's all staged by Russia. As for Vladimir... Yeah, I'm not going to lie. That attack doesn't look the most lethal. It looks like something that you would do to essentially justify you really ramping shit up a bit. And Putin is known to be that kind of dude. He plays dirty. He does some really dirty shit. People allege um, that... Oh, who was the guy... One of his advisors' um, daughter was blown up in a car bomb, and they initially blamed Ukraine for essentially, you know, rigging the, his daughter's car bomb, his daughter's car with a bomb and shit, and she literally burned alive inside it. It was pretty crazy the footage, seeing the dad on the side of the road as you can see his daughter in the car, literally, literally being cooked alive. And I remember at the time, um, Ukrainian forces adamantly saying it wasn't them. And then the whole theory was floated that Putin wanted to ramp things up again. And he essentially sacked... Yeah, that's the one. Alex Dugan. That's the one. Alex Dugan. Koyla knows that he kind of literally sacrificed one of his lieutenant's daughters to basically add to the whole hysteria that was going on and justify any retaliation or any kind of lethal force that he was going to take um, against Ukraine. So this could be one of those things because those attacks didn't look like anything. The guys, the guys who were on the roof in this video taken from the bbc they allege that there's people on the roof right as the bomb goes off the people on the roof don't look like they move they don't fall over it's just it doesn't feel like the attack did any sort of damage it, crazy damage that would have killed the flipping president um that was sitting inside there it just feels a little bit a little bit a little bit a little bit like an inside job <laughs> if that makes any sense but yeah man it's gonna be a hot summer um I, I don't know. It's going to be a hot summer. Very, 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 very sticky. But um, solidarity of all my Ukrainian men, I guess. Um, hold your head up if you can. Hold your head up if you can. Moving on. Let's talk about this. So, for some reason, and I don't know why this is the case, but I hope some of you guys on the stream can educate me who are a bit more balls deep into the UFC and shit. Please tell me what you know. What's the deal? with Brendan Shaw sorry, being so heavily invested in the whole Francis Ngannou where he's going to sign to after being released from the UFC. He seems to be really annoyed 
at the way that Francis is approaching his negotiation with all these other organizations and the fact that he's doing it on his own without a manager and the fact that he is asking for a lot of really interesting um egalitarian sort of things and he's being a little bit of an altruist like he's, he's kind of approaching it in a sense of like here's what he would hope would he someone else would do for him when he came into fighting or maybe kind of an example of what a union could possibly push for if they did exist for you know ufc fighters or mixed martial arts fighters in general and brendan seems to be really against it he just hates it for some reason he's got a really stick up his butt about it and he put, he spoke about it at length on the recent episode of the short show which I'm going to play now. And he just seems to be super annoyed and pissed off about it. I'm getting, I don't know what the thing is, what the deal is. I think, I'm thinking straight away that it could be due to his relationship with the guys over at One Championship. I know he recently had the the main honcho dude over there on his podcast, The Fire and the Kid. And he was kind of sucking him off a lot on there. And maybe the fact that they were meant to be some sort of media partner to him, that kind of, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe there's some money they gave him, who knows. But he seems to really have a stick up his butt to really question the intelligence of Francis Ngannou. Even though when Ngannou was on his show, he was slobbering on his knob. But now all of a sudden, he's turned into, you know, one of his largest, one of his most vocal critics. Um, so anyway, here's Brandon Schaub on the Schaub Show talking about Ngannou's um, negotiation tactics and everything else going on around him, and he doesn't seem to like the way it's going. My absolute favorite. And this is what frustrates me. You know, we shot with Chatri and Mikey on Friday. <sighs> oh, that- and at the time, we are talking about Francis Ngannou. And with Francis, my take on Francis right now, I'm sure it's going to be current events, so I'll jump into it right now. My, and then we'll get into UFC 288. My, mm-hmm. my take on Francis is this. The longer that it goes on, that he's not, that he doesn't have a fight coming up, the worse it is for him as far as leverage. People forget this game evolves so fast. There's other headliners. There's other big names out there. The box isn't that fundamentally wrong though. If you're especially if you're Francis Ngannou and you're a heavyweight, especially a heavyweight that fights the way that he does, knockout power, crazy strong, growing, learning, evolving into the sport. Like you know, he kind of left on a bit of a high after his win over what's his face over um the french dude um cyril gain right people probably want to see more of him going forward so this idea that he's got like he's kind of you know his star is diminishing because he's taking long to negotiate is could be further from the truth the appetite for him as soon as, soon as he announces the fight everyone's going to be hyped again it doesn't really matter if he's not in the media cycle on a constant basis on a weekly basis, he just needs to make sure his deal's right for him and then announce it when he wants to announce it. No? Boxing game, he, he's the, you know, he's fun, but he's, you know, he's the side piece. He's not wifey. He's the side piece in all of this. So the more this goes on. What? Franz is a side piece. Okay. And we don't hear his name in the big fights in boxing. We haven't heard for a while now. Deontay Wilder teased it, but then now he's ranked number one. So I, I don't know what's going on there. Probably fighting a big boxing name. But the longest goes on for Francis, the worst it is if you're a Francis fan. It's not good. So when Chatri, when he came in, me, we're, me and him were talking about it. He goes, yeah, I'm supposed to meet with uh, Francis in L.A. He's in L.A. We've been trying to meet for a while now. Finally, we're making it happen. You know, we have, we have an offer. And he's like, money's not the issue. We can pay him more than anybody. UFC says they offer him the highest contract ever, uh, heavyweights ever in the UFC. We'll destroy that. 
We're offering more money than he can imagine. So money's not the issue. It's these other things outside of that that makes it um, tough for us. You know, some of his demands. Hold on. If money isn't the issue and he's got other demands outside of money that are making it tough, shouldn't they make it easy? Shouldn't it be easy to just agree to those things that he's asking them if money isn't that much of an issue? Because technically you're gonna save them the money. If he's not really that if he's not actually asking for an exorbitant amount of money up front or whatever it may be, contract wise, but he's asking for certain things to be put into place. Um, maybe protection for fighters, whatever he's asking for. To kinda of look out for other fighters, look out for himself in his future. If that's the case, then maybe offering him more should be maybe offering him more just to kind of get him to sign and then and also agreeing to the other stuff will make more sense. Or offering him a fair amount and then get him to sign will make more sense because you're kind of saving money or not giving him everything that you have in your bank account. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe I, I don't mean no. Big up Austin Casey. For the you know when you chew ice and your tongue gets numb. That's what it sounds like when Schwab talks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I've said that. Big up Austin Casey. I appreciate it for the $5 donation. I've said that also, but I think the major thing that he sounds like it sounds like, you know, when you like accidentally bite your tongue, like you actually bite it when you're maybe eating, or you're talking too fast and it kind of swells up a little bit. You kind of click a little bit like that. Like it's a little bit heavy. So it kind of feels like that. He's kind of got a bit of that kind of tongue going on, but maybe his tongue's just really inflamed as well. Also, because I remember somebody saying in my stream chat comments, I think, oh no, maybe the comments out of God who said it. Someone said that they have a theory that Brendan may be allergic to something in the whiskey that he made. That he doesn't know about there's some sort of ingredient in the whiskey that makes that's that's he's got an allergic reaction to that basically causes his face to puff up and his tongue to get inflamed which is a pretty wild theory but i would buy that if that's true because it does feel like that whole like heavy tongue thing only started once he when he started drinking man's and it's not my it's not my place to air chatri's details out with the negotiation it's not what i do but it is what you're doing because you're doing it right now. You don't love Brendan, isn't it? He's talking to this Chattery guy who I'm assuming is the main dude over there at one championship, right? Um, and whatnot. And he's obviously going to rab it and say whatever that guy told him in his own words. But he's saying it's not his place to say it. And also, Brendan's notorious for saying that promoters are always going to promote, right? Promoters are always going to do what promoters do. And promoters are known to be kind of a bit you know a little bit slimy they kind of embellish the truth they kind of sell people down the river a little bit why should he believe everything this other guy is saying about francis and negotiation why is he taking his word as gospel why is his words more truthful than what francis is saying especially when you consider that, that dude is known to be a little bit of a you know an embellisher a little bit of a kind of subtle twister of the truth why is brendan now agreeing with everything he's saying lock stock and barrel and then wanting to repeat it in his own words as if that's the gospel weird but some of the demands that he told me that francis made blew my mind i was like oh that's the problem mm. there's the there's the problem now i don't know if i don't think it markel's not his age anymore i don't know who he's listened to um <laughs> but it's not i'll put it this way it's not good nobody <laughs> am i am i often thinking that a lot of this kind of a lot of this kind of, um, especially when it comes from Brendan, I get, I, I don't know, this is a really strange thing to throw out there. 
But I've always got the feeling Brendan isn't the most comfortable around black people anyway, in general. I've always thought he's had a little bit of a thing. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because of the football stuff didn't work out. His position got taken by a black dude, an ex-girl, who knows. But I've always felt there's a little bit of a strangeness he has a little bit against black people. But if that's not the case, I also feel in this case, he's going way too hard into flipping Francis. And I feel like a lot of it has to do with this kind of stereotype that Francis can't speak English. He's from Africa. He's big. He speaks English with a particular type of accent. And people just think he's this big, dumb black guy. So they can't understand why this big, dumb black guy isn't just taking the money. Whatever money they're offering him, just take it, Francis. Come on, man. You are flipping, you know, digging and flipping salt mines. What the fuck, man? Just take the money. Look where you come from. Take the fucking money, man. Like, they can't understand why he just doesn't take the money. Maybe some people are just built different. If you watched his previous interview with Ariel Hawani that he did a few months ago, he clearly is somebody that is different than what you'd expect him to be. He's very insightful, very chill, very laid back. But also he kind of looked at his career as an opportunity to make changes across the sport. Why not? While the light is on him, while he's got the spotlight on him and he's got the talent and the skill that he has at the moment, why not try and get everything that he can out of the sport, not only from himself, but for other fighters? And who knows, you know, be the agent of change that, that kind of, you know, helps to create long lasting change for generations to come. Why not do that? Why not try? That's not a bad thing. Not everybody is driven by money and driven by desire to always get the highest amount and then kind of keep going, keep it moving. That's what obviously Brenda would obviously have done. But maybe other people have different priorities and different objectives when it comes to contracts and what they're dealing with and they don't wanna they don't wanna do that. But Brenda's not really, you know, willing to accept that side of things at all. It's very strange. Nobody is gonna sign him for that. Nobody. Nobody. It's not happening. Why would you say that? You're only saying that. Why is it nobody? Let, and if it does happen, what's he going to say when it does happen? Will he come back and say, I, was, I got it wrong? I don't think so. So at some point, he needs to get off his high horse and go, I'm still a fighter. I'm still a fighter. I need to do what's best for me. And now I know he wants to do what's best for the fighters and equal rights and all that shit. With <laughs> Equal rights and all that shit. That sounds exactly like something that he would say about Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I know he wants to do that whole Black Lives Matter kneeling and shit and all that kind of fighting against police brutality and shit and all that fucking unfair, you know, judicial system against black and brown people and shit and all that unfair flipping sentences and in inner city hysterias and shit. He kind of has that opinion, isn't it? Because he doesn't see it and it doesn't affect him day to day, it's not an issue. Or if it is an issue, he's probably one of those, he's probably one of those type of people who say, um, whenever a debate comes about, Whenever there's a debate on like gun violence, he's probably the type of person that says more black people kill each other on an average. Rah. That sort of nonsense shit, right? Instead of addressing the the real issues at hand in terms of poverty, in terms of lack of job opportunities, in terms of family dynamics, in terms of you know people growing up in single parent households, education, all these complex issues that add to the tapestry of tragedy that you see kind of you know displayed out on the streets when people kill each other that's usually the final outcome but there's loads of things that happen prior that sometimes you, you have no impact you have no you know 
you have no part to play in that affect your future in a big way. But when you've been brought up with a silver spoon in your mouth, I mean, when things have been laid out to you and you've had everybody kind of bail you out and give you every opportunity under the sun, you can't currently see that. And you can't maybe see somebody else's fight and plight their way anymore. Maybe. But again, you know, what am I saying? What do I know? When it comes to fighter pay, all good, dude. But what's going to happen is your voice is so much more powerful. If you want to make a change, become world champion one championship. Beat Deontay Wilder and then keep harping on this. But right. What? Isn't that the wrong way to do negotiations? If you haven't signed the deal yet and they want to sign you, you should ask for everything. Again, this goes for everybody out there. Brendan is the worst type of negotiator because he just wants the money. But if you are trying to negotiate a higher salary for yourself at a job that you've applied for, like I've done most recently, what you do, if that person, if that company actually want you, you don't sign the contract until you get it in writing, all the things that you want. Whether it's you want a flexible work from home kind of schedule, whether it's you want a clear drawing out and outlining of your responsibilities and your KPIs and shit, whether it's you want incentives in terms of bonuses, whether you want a higher base salary, whether you want more vacation time, whatever it is, whether you want to have a particular office space, you want a particular computer, a particular co you know operating system, a particular software, whatever you need. When you go for a job and they offer you the, the, they give you an offer at a job, never sign the contract until you get everything that you need. Ask for everything. Every unreasonable request. Ask at that moment. Because once you're in, it's going to be very difficult to get that stuff retroactively. Usually. Your strongest point of negotiation, in my opinion, especially in this sort of field, is when you haven't signed yet. It's when you're, you're involved in a bidding war. That's your strongest position. To ask for unreasonable stuff and see who gives it to you. This guy's just saying, sign the deal, then get in, then win the championship, then you can ask for things. Like, what? There's so many steps there that aren't, <laughs> that you may kind of falter on. He signs a deal the next month, fucking the, the, the organization he signed for goes bankrupt. Or the bank institution that they were using to pay the payments goes under and they can't run anymore. He signs a deal, he gets injured, God forbid. Like, loads of things can happen before that. There's nothing is like guaranteed. So his solution is horrendous. Right now there's not a ton of leverage there and some of the stuff that he's asking what? for i've never even heard of fighters asking for ever in my entire life well that's the whole point you've never heard them ask for it that's why he's asking for it and that's why he's an agent of change he is a legit game changer because he's asking for things that most people don't ask for and the hope is that the things that he's asking for will affect change for people coming after him people who are still there in the organization that he's going to be at that's the people he wants to help out he's legitimately doing what this guy was complaining about when he got booed out of the ufc or moaning about the rebook deal and all this sort of stuff fighter pay whatever he's actually putting into putting into action he's actually working on it but i don't know why he's so butthurt about it brendan specifically he's i don't know it's very strange i've heard of some crazy shit from comics with the writers when it comes to green rooms for fighters, NFL players. I've heard of crazy shit. You hear this, you're like, oh, no, he's going no, to take that. And Chatri came out today and said, met with him. Uh, after careful reflection, we decided not to submit our final offer. Francis is a good guy, a good champion. I wish him continued success and happiness. Uh, at the end of the day, I didn't feel Francis and I were fully aligned on non-financial yeah. matters. That's the big one. It's nothing personal. It's just a lack of alignment. That should be alarming if you're in the Francis Ngannou camp. No, it shouldn't, though. 
if you're if you're in France and going to camp and your main objective is to make sure that things outside of the finances are sorted, then you're just going to go to whoever gives you that deal or just hold out or whatever, make some compromises. But you kind of set out with what you want and then whoever can give it to you, you take it. But this idea that he has to kind of put money first is crazy because he's clearly demonstrating he, don't care, he doesn't care about the money. He cares about this other stuff that the companies are unwilling. That should be the actual question. Why are all these big organizations unwilling to give him the other stuff outside of the financial packages that he wants? That's so easy to do or that it's so crazy. Why aren't they willing to do that? That should be the real question. Why is that such a, a stumbling block? So already, outside of pay, so we know it's not pay, outside of pay, Francis can't go anywhere and make more money than he's going to make in one championship. So that's off the table. Let's take a little break from chatting all things fighting. <laughs> he loves one championship so much. Because UFC 288 is here this Saturday. If you're a betting man, which I am, I like oh, the dog. Come on, let's get, let's get, 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 get up. Come on, go word. UFC from Dana White goes UFC now could be a negotiate, negotiation tactic from Dana White goes we'll never sign him back so let's assume Dana's true to his word UFC's off the table which they are because we know Dana's the most pettiest guy in the world and the moment that flipping Francis essentially aired out the business dealings or just spoke about it overall and was a bit harder to deal with you knew what was going to happen Dana was always going to say what he was going to say especially the more the journalists kept asking him about it he was always going to spin and say oh, we're never going to sign him you know it's just nonsense they didn't talk from Dana but the way he's flipping cucking for Dana also considering how much he hates him is quite insane so you have one championship in the UFC the two biggest by far in all of the world nobody bigger what's left Bellator probably can't afford him uh we, we pfl okay bare knuckle can't afford him they even said uh, we can't meet the demand so you've already pissed off the ufc which is the biggest player in the game pissed North America. Off you've already scorched the earth as far as negotiations go with one championship now what now you have to pray to god that the boxing route works out and boy if you think mma is a tough business there is not a more corrupt business in this fucking professional sports world than boxing. And that's what you're putting all your basket, eggs in your basket. It, it's insane. It, it, it's such a shame. I don't know who's helping him negotiate. I don't know if he has an agent. I I, honestly, this feels like he legitimately thinks, he legitimately thinks Francis Ngannou's retarded. That's what I'm thinking. He legitimately thinks Francis Ngannou's retarded. He thinks because he comes from Africa, and he speaks English with a French accent or some shit, that he's a retard. I'm legitimately sure of that. That's what he's kind of coming at. Because this is a negotiation. He has his demands. He's going to the organizations that he wants, you know, to kind of sign for, or putting his demands out there and seeing what can be met. If they can't be met, he'll go back to the drawing board, come back with other demands and see where it goes. Nothing is done until it's done. This idea that he's kind of shooting himself in the foot is crazy. He's not. He's got his demands. He knows what he wants and he kind of goes from there. I don't understand this. Why he's so like butthurt about this. It's weird. If this is the Lamar Jackson thing where you don't want to pay an agent a percentage, that is not the way to do it. It's not the way to do it. What should you do then? Sign with CAA, like Brendan is, just so you can have it on your CV so you can look cool, but they don't really do nothing for you because you're a little bit toxic. 
you may have been, you know, you may have produced one of the worst stand-up specials in the world anyway, or in the history of stand-up comedy. So it doesn't matter who represents you. But the fact that you've got CAO in your back pocket, it feels like a flex. Who cares who represents you? Most of these agents and managers don't know what they're doing anyway. Or they're not as good as, or they kind of overstate their import or their influence. And at this stage, given Francis and Gano's celebrity and star power, it doesn't really make much sense. You know, what What are they really going to do for him? The deals that he's getting or the conversation he's having now are all the biggest conversations he's been having with the places. So it's not like those people are going to be able to pull any other crazy deals out of their back pockets. You would assume. Bizarre. Bizarre defense of the fucking system. Like, really, really bizarre defense of the system. He's acting like a bit of a gatekeeper a little bit. Because one championship, and this is why it made so much sense, one championship goes... <laughs> We believe in mixed martial arts. We believe in martial arts in general. So Francis will have an opportunity to A, fight for a world championship in mixed martial arts, and B, we're open to him fighting in boxing. When it, if he, he boxed first. That was his caveat with the UFC. Well, I want to box first and then fight in the UFC. And UFC went, absolutely not. You're going to fight John, then we'll figure out the boxing. Francis said, nope, I want to box first. When championship said, cool, we'll let you do that. We'll be part of that. We'll be part of the marking of that. We'll do all that for you. Will let you light you up. Now, what's he gonna do? It's not good, man. It's yeah. not good. And I don't know who needs to get in France here. Nobody needs you. Big martial arts across the board, boxing across the board. Why does he? Is this projection? Is this kind of him coping with the fact that he realized nobody needed him and nobody knew who you are in his own career? Is this what it is? This is so bizarre. Or did him and Francis have a falling out behind the scenes? Really strange. Ford will be just fine. Nobody's bigger than the game. Nobody. Nobody. The closest person we... He's not saying he's bigger than the game, though. Francis has some demands. According to Ariel Hawani, Francis' demands are very much about the fighters. Fighter pay, fighter health, um, whatever it may be. These outside things, maybe seats on the board, whatever. Right? Potential when he maybe retires. These are, these are I think, pretty standard run-of-the-mill things that somebody that feels that like they have a lot of leverage would ask for like it doesn't seem that far-fetched to me personally so it's not like he thinks he's bigger than the game he just thinks you know maybe the percentages um are not maybe fair and he's trying to make them fairer that's all it is it's quick it's quite noble given what he's doing given the industry he's in it's quite noble you've ever had that was bigger than the game is conor mcgregor he has some a little more leverage than Francis, right? So for Francis, like, I don't know who you're listening to, man, but this is not going well. This has been the a Conor McGregor thing is a bad example. He had loads of outside of the octagon issues going on. He also started losing, and that you know is the worst type of thing that you could ever do for your negotiation or leverage, you know, whatever issues that it may be. So that may be hurting more than anything. And I'm sure Francis, if he came off a loss, he would be in a worse position than he is now, also. So. Come on now. A fucking disaster. The what I thought this was the perfect situation. It's so frustrating, man. So frustrating. Did he have money on like John Jones and Francis on a particular date? Is that why he's so pissed off? Not one championship fight, that heavyweight fight. He's that Russian. Not a walk in the park. But they you're allowed to do that and box. Where are you gonna go? You start your own league? Okay, starting your league is is not good. So what's what's uh can we be doing at the moment? You know what I'm saying? What yeah. the fuck are you gonna do, man? It's so frustrating. 
as if he's the best brains in the business this guy this guy who's got like tons of crates of unsold tiger whiskey sitting in some sort of you know in some fucking warehouse somewhere collecting dust and probably gonna go unsold tons of them this is the same guy now you know confused as to why francis didn't do business the way that he would have liked which is what go to all the different organizations just ask for the most money and hope they give it to you <laughs> that's his negotiation tactic i want loads of money will you give it to me yes will you give it to me no okay bye like <laughs> i want most money give me money that would be the dude Antali. Antali's a problem He's a fucking problem. He's undersized at 223. Should probably be a light heavyweight in most areas, but I think the perfect weight for a heavyweight is about 235, 240. You look at Kane in his prime, you look at Steep in his prime, JDS in his prime. So I remember looking at uh, the articles we brought up before, but so Bellator said they were 50 50. That's how hard the negotiations were. And then. Uh, <laughs> you remember when Chin said he's white because he grew up in Te Austin? <laughs> I've never seen a more Asian looking man in my life, especially in that jumper, right? Or oh, that cardigan he has. <laughs> Chin is such an odd looking fellow. You remember? He said he thought he was white because he grew up in Austin, Texas or some shit. <laughs> because he used to sing country music. I don't know. Oh, man. Austin, fucking Chin is fucking amazing. I love that guy. A PFL said, like, we're heading in a positive direction, but we're not sure what's going. So he ha he must have some crazy demands. I mean, it seems like he has some crazy demands. I know for a fact he does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. Because that's every single from the big promotion. That's every the promotion. And they would love to have him. Then yeah. think about it. They're like, oh, we're good. Think about one. I love it. He's, I know from the horse's mouth. So the horse's mouth is always correct. Actually, let's get the screenshot. I love this. The horse's mouth is always correct when it comes to Brendan, right? When it comes to this one championship kind of guy. When it's Dana, he's always lying. When it's one championship dude, he's always telling the truth. Cool. Chatri, think about Chatri. He's offering the offers him. He was willing to meet with him in Dubai. He was willing to fly to fucking Morocco. He's fly to Africa just to figure this deal out. Finally, they meet in LA, and he goes, "The money you're asking for? Here you go. The boxing? Here you go. The other demands. The other demands yeah. is what they're so outrageous that Chatri goes, "We're good. We're just gonna carry on. We're good. It's it. God, you fucked up." It, that would been a perfect relationship. I'm so frustrated because I'm a Francis fan. Nah, you sound like you're a one championship fucking shill. That's what you sound like. You sound like you got your pom-poms out for the one championship guys because maybe they put some money in your pocket allegedly to do that whole official media partnership nonsense that has never really materialized into anything. But I guess you get first refusal at the fucking guest, which you don't really interview. Who knows? But it sounds like you're a bit of a shill for one championship, personally. It sounds like they may or may not have sent you a couple wire transfers in here and there. That's what it sounds like to me. This, is, this doesn't sound like what a Francis fan would say. A Francis fan maybe would get frustrated that he's not signing quick enough so he can maybe do a deal in place to maybe fight John Jones in the future. That could maybe be a thing. But a Francis fan, after hearing what Francis has said, that what he wants, and maybe intimated that, wouldn't be upset that he's taking this route you'd be upset again only it's taking so long and you want your fight to happen but you wouldn't be telling him just take the money 
a Francis fan wouldn't say that because you know it's not about the money with him. And I remember Markel, like he's a friend of the show, obviously friend of Love yours. Markel. He was he had his back with the whole UFC stuff. He Fire. actually had a fight with or online fight with Dana White, but then suddenly he's gone from the picture now too. Like think about saying, what, think about what Markel did just for his career. Like yeah. think about shit Markel got. Career. How do you say career again? Think about, saying, what, think about what Markel did just for his career. Isn't it career? Career. Career. He's gone from the picture now too. Like think about, saying, what, think about what Markel did just for his career. Like yeah. think about <laughs> shit Markel got. Think about that text that got leaked about the racism that he was dealing with oh, too yeah. with UFC brass <laughs> Dana. Think about <laughs> all that stuff, right? And Markel just got trashed. His name got dragged through the mud, but he knew he was doing the right thing. And then they're finally at the end of the tunnel. France goes, thanks for giving through the tunnel. See ya. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God forbid African man decides to handle his own business. God forbid things happen behind the scene that you're not aware of. God forbid, eh? God forbid. He doesn't speak English too tough. He needs help. God forbid. Frustrated um, for Markel? Because your, your payoff was going to be this. If he had the right guy on his team, they'd go, whoa, Francis, Francis, we know you want to change the game, all that stuff. Let's handle our job first and then do that and then worry about that stuff. No, 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 no. That's part of the job, though. My, he feels like his job and his calling is to handle the other stuff. That's what he's doing, clearly. You have a much bigger platform, much more leverage once you're world champion over here. Once you have whatever it is, $50 million in the bank from fighting Deontay Wilder, Fury, then let's talk about this. But right now, you got a lot of work to do, dude. We got a lot of work. You're you're focused on the wrong shit, man. And you're not young. He's not that young, you know. It's so frustrating. I can't stand this. Now we can't stand you, brother. It's also on the side too. Uh, Thirty six, yeah. you know. With you know coming off a knee injury. So you know, th there's that, and there's also what's frustrating. And again, I'm a guy. When uh, NFL, if you're an NFL fan, the Lamar Jackson stuff is very, I mean, everyone's covered it. So he decided not to hire an agent and have his mom represent him to save the 3 to 5% on the contract. Again, it sounds good that you're saving 3 to 5%, and he got paid the highest, I think, of any, uh, he's now the highest paid quarterback with the guaranteed money. It's a lot of money. But would you rather have $500 million? And give someone five percent, or have three hundred million, and you keep it all. You know, so when there's agents exist for, or just not have agents at all. This guy is this is this is kind of interesting. Brendan is turning into a shill for agents and managers and shit. Considering how corrupt and broken sports representation is in general, entertainment in every sway when it comes to record labels to be someone like him sitting there agreeing that agents play an integral role in order to get people this money is crazy it's lamar jackson any deal he was gonna get was always gonna be in the hundreds of millions anyway what could the agent really get for him that no one else could like you know the deals keep like when you're at that when you're at that level when you're at the francis level lamar jackson level the conor mcgregor level Agents don't really, maybe aren't as needed as maybe people who are coming up because you're a star, you're a superstar. So you're going to get things coming to you in your inbox that you don't have to go out for, right? They're going to be coming to you because that much of a star you are. 
so it kind of changes the dynamic overall so if that's the case and you continue to ascend and your star only gets bigger the need for a manager or whatnot agent you know it kind of succeeds a little bit i don't see anything wrong with that for a reason you know now a lot of them are dinosaurs and you know sometimes you don't need them or man you may not need when it comes an agent the reason you need them is they can start these bidding wars for your career so you know what's funny as well if i'm not mistaken didn't all his agents tell him not to not to do gringo Pappy? remember didn't he's like so he's talking about all this agent bullshit but he doesn't listen to his own i'm sure they told him something about gringo Pappy. if i'm if i'm not mistaken didn't bgl say that he just didn't listen to his agents or his friends and everyone kind of advised him against it they told him to stop posting shitty clips of himself doing stand-up on social media like they were kind of giving him good advice and he was like nah i'm just gonna go i'm betting on myself and now look so for lamar jackson his mom doesn't know the gms at all the teams and create <laughs> different bids and see test <laughs> she doesn't have google she can't put them more into an Excel spreadsheet and figure it out like everyone else probably can do. It's hilarious. She won't have, they won't give her access to the GMs either. If the GMs that want to sign these fucking people like Lamar Jackson to their franchise, like they won't get in touch with Lamar Jackson's mom. Nah, they won't do that. She'll have to just sit down Google and figure it out herself, right? The waters <laughs> to see where you're at. Now he got the money, right? Dumb they were the black last woman seg- doesn't know what she's doing. Dumb black guy doesn't know what she's doing. Get an agent. You guys, you black guys need help. You need all the help you can get. Look, this is the face <laughs> that Brendan puts so he's negotiating with black people. Like, you know, it's looking dicey, dicey, man. You know how you guys are. <laughs> he can get the money so it worked out for him technically. I would be willing to argue that he probably would have got paid even more if he had a legit agent on his side no 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 no. i don't care i'd rather take 300 million with my mom signing the deal for me and putting all the things in order and whatnot and going home with more most of that 500 million than doing 500 million and then having your agent stick his hand in your pocket because he sent a couple of he attached a couple of documents with email and then you have other people coming out your pocket that you didn't even know chefs and stuff loads of nonsenses no i'd rather have the smaller amount guaranteed with family and friends personally with francis okay dude don't use an agent negotiate yourself with a guy like chatry who's harvard educated you see what i mean you see what i mean about the little dog whistling about <laughs> what's dana white educated did dana white go to university did Dana White study somewhere prestigious? Or did he, like Brennan, say, just got lucky because he had two rich friends? Are you a guy like Dana White who's been in there with the big boys? He's a shark. And his lawyers, the best of the best. Try to try to argue with those guys. That's that They might as well jump in the octagon and fight. They shouldn't be fighting. He shouldn't be negotiating. <laughs> you, and he's learned the, the worst way, man. It's, it's, it could cause him his career. He's learning the worst way. It's a, it's a shame, man. I'm so frustrated. So frustrated. <laughs> there are outliers, though, right? Like, still Sean O'Malley. I guess, remember, he says he does his own negotiating. So he's maybe the kind of personality that can... So Sean O'Malley is smarter than Francis. Tell us why he thinks that, by the way. What, what, what has Sean O'Malley demonstrated in his career or in his life that would lead someone like Brendan to think he's smarter? But I think he's going to say that. I bet he's going to say... He thinks Sean O'Malley's smarter than Francis and Garner. 
do that. And I, I again, he doesn't have a degree in business, mm-hmm. and I, I'm all the power to him because apparently his contract's a lot of money. But when he becomes champion, if he does, God willing, he becomes champion, mm-hmm. and you get in those pay per view points. What experience does he have to negotiate those pay-per-view points? That's where you get fuck you money. So an agent's going to go, well, I represent Anderson Silva, Brock Lesnar, Conor McGregor. We know what those guys got, so we can negotiate that. If you have no clue, you think you're getting a good deal. I'm sure Sugar Sean... Of course they they think they got... This guy's full of shit. He's the first person to say he's got all inside information about how much people get paid, and he's been out of the UFC for close to 10 years. Everybody gets information. In that industry, everyone talks. Word gets around. So the idea that you can't get information because you don't have an agent who did deals for other people who got deals is just insane. Especially when you consider some of these agents were representing guys from an era where the money maybe wasn't that good, or maybe was you know some of them were overpaid. So it's just a nonsense thing, anyway. This whole thing. Thought or thinks he got the good deal. I'd be willing to imagine if you had an agent, even though you're giving five percent, ten percent of this, he probably would have got you a better deal. So we think it's going well, but I would be, in my experience, in all these years, I'd be willing to bet the agent probably could have gotten more money. What? You know? Because they know the ins and outs. They're dealing with this all the time. You don't want to be the guy for Francis. You don't want to be, you want to be training. You want to be thinking about beating Deontay Wilder, fucking Tyson Fury. It's hard enough, but okay, you're a businessman now? Now you want to be a businessman? (laughs) You're my girlfriend now. (laughs) <laughs> now's not the time yeah. now you want to deal with this and go through all this trials and tribulation learn the hard way you're you're getting an education now you know it's not good anyway obviously Brendan's not happy about it he doesn't rate the solution in the slightest he thinks um, what you call it Francis Gunner should just take the money and run to whoever's given him the most but clearly you know he wants more than just money and he's demanding that has been demanding that for a while. And Ariel had some really interesting things to say about um, Francis because I guess he spoke to him and his team and got some clarification on what's going on. So, again, take everything with a pinch of salt. Take everything what people are saying with a pinch of salt and make your own mind up. But from what I can see, Francis is driving a hard bargain because he's trying to enact some real-life, long-lasting change in the sport that he loves, in a sport that helped change his life. He's trying to change the life of other people also coming behind him. I, don't, I think that's quite noble personally he's actually doing it um and he's suffering the maximum sort of um he's paying the maximum cost because it's at the behest of his own career or as brendan says career right he's damaging his own career so temporarily anyway so that he can help others that's actually quite selfless that's really really cool and in the process if he gets paid a bunch of money that's awesome but i don't think that should be like scoffed at personally but again you know what do I know? What do I know? You know, what do I know? I don't know anything. But let's put the video on Ariel while he's speaking about anyway here. Courtesy of Jedi Goodman. Of course, most of you know this account. Um, don't piss me off. One of the things that he is asking for, I could tell you this, is he wants a guarantee from whomever he is fighting for promoter-wise that his opponent cannot make under a certain amount. He wants his opponent to make a, at least a minimum. He wants a guarantee that his opponent cannot be underpaid. 
in other words. Amazing. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so Francis Ngannou signs on to fight anti Delelli and they want to pay for anti like 30,000. He's not down with that. He wants his opponent to make a certain amount as well. What that number is, I don't know. But he wants to guarantee that they cannot go under that number. They could go above the number if, if that person is worth it, whatever his deal is. But you can't underpay the opponent. Who else is fighting for these things? Who? Tell me who. Tell me. And we're going to shit on that guy. That's, that's what we're going to shit on. That's why this whole thing is, is messed up. God forbid anyone actually tries to get the fighters what they are owed to bring them together. Exactly. Big up Ariel for that. Absolute legend. Um, what do you know? <laughs> Big up Severo Design. What do you know? Nothing because you don't matter. Be exactly. I don't matter. I do not matter. Do not the lowest. But I think that's pretty kind of noble from Francis to do such a thing. Whether he achieves it or not isn't important. The fact that he's doing it and again, putting his career on, on the line, on pause while he tries to fight and advocate for others is absolutely amazing to see. I wish more people would do it. He's actually back in the talk and hopefully it ends up kind of going his way. And then um, I quickly want to talk about... Oh, let's move on actually. So I did that. I spoke about this issue. We clicked on that thing. Let's move over to this... Or is it? What's the next one I want to talk about? Is it this? No, it's not that. Yes, let's talk about this a bit. Bear with me a second as I pull it up here. Bish bash bosh. That was done. Let me pull this up actually. Oh, where is it? Bear with me a second. There we go. Cool. It's loading now. So this is the other part taken from Ariel Hawani's um, MMA hour where he speaks at length regarding the whole Francis Ngannou issue and what he's basically asking for and I thought this was a very um, interesting insight into what um, is currently going on and to maybe you know there's always two sides of the story maybe three maybe four but to not maybe run with any sort of narrative I thought this was pretty interesting this is Ariel Hawani what drama this Francis Ngannou story has become uh, on Monday I said that he was very close to signing a deal that is very true. I did not say who that promotion was, but by, I guess, process of elimination, people boiled it down to PFL and Bellator. My good friend Chael Sonnen yesterday saying PFL. And, uh, you know, I, I, I do know that Bellator was not as active in these negotiations. So I'm not saying confirming or denying anything. But let me address this particular question, and perhaps there'll be more Francis stuff that we can talk about as well. As of right this moment, my understanding is any talk that Francis is having with an MMA promotion is to just do MMA only. And so there hasn't been any sort of movement on a Francis MVP collabo. Now, do things change? Very possibly. If he does in fact sign with PFL, could things change then? Very possibly. But as of right this moment, they're kind of two separate operations, the MMA side, the boxing side, and there's not a lot of cross-pollination there, if you get what I'm saying. That could change. But what you lay out here makes a ton of sense, an absolute ton of sense, because here's what's very important. And if I, if I can you know, just kind of take a step back here, <laughs> there's a few things to say. First of all, this, this, this rush... 
I think what is happening here now with Francis Ngannou is a fascinating look into how people feel about themselves and how people feel about exactly. others. Exactly. And what I mean about that, uh, by that is very few people in life have the guts and courage to take the road less traveled. If there was anyone in the world of MMA that was going to be comfortable taking that road less traveled, it's the guy who grew up with nothing, who worked in sand dunes, who was homeless, who had to swim in the ocean and escape and, and, and be locked up and, 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 and live in a garage. It was this guy. It was Francis Ngannou. I don't know if a lot of people can wrap their head around that. And so to them, they're like, you walked away from the UFC? You walked away from this? You walked away from that? You walked away from, like, what are you doing? And there's this rush to say, you fumbled the bag. You messed up. Mm -hmm. When in reality, all they're doing is projecting their own feelings and own insecurities on this guy who is daring to take the road less traveled. That's what's happening here. And so I don't know if I've ever seen this kind of story play out like this, where people are rushing to say someone failed, someone lost, someone screwed up before the story has even played out. If at the end of all of this, we find out that he's making considerably less and his career has gone down the toilet, we could say we could we could put that verdict out. And by the way, I'll be the first to sit here and say that. But the story hasn't even played out yet. We don't know how much he's making. We don't know who he's fighting. We don't know where he's fighting, how he's fighting, on what platform. We don't know anything. All we know are a few promoters have come out and said we're out of the running. Now they have said that. We never really got his side of the story, where he's telling us like, I took them out of the running. Right? What about that? And what I love about the Chatri thing, and I had a nice chat with Chatri after the show on Monday, and I think we've always been very fair to one and to him in particular. And let's be honest, there is a thing online to try and, um, you know, often discredit the things that he says. There, there, there's this narrative online, especially on Twitter, where, where a lot of people, the hardcore MMA fans, feel like he embellishes. I'm not breaking any news here. He knows very well about all of this. Uh, the viewership numbers, the, the social media numbers, the Nielsen, all this stuff. And it seems like every time there's something one related, especially from a successful standpoint, there's a rush to discredit whatever he is saying, calling it BS, uh, poking holes in their financials. We've had him on to talk about these things, but I've never sat here and called BS on X, Y, and Z. Uh, I think we've only tried to shine a positive light and mm. talk about, you know, we bring up the 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 the, the issues with the rehydration and the weigh-ins being private. Anyway, you get, a, you, get a, you get the point. I don't want to play the whole thing, but it's on there. Check it out. Uh, Jedi Goodman Twitter account. There's a part one and a part two. He kind of breaks it down, but I think he makes some really interesting points there that you guys should check out if you are interested. So, uh, what else I got to talk about here? Moving on. I quick going to mention this actually. So, um, DJ Academics, one of my favorites out there. Um, <laughs> he's got into a bit of a bother, obviously, with the recent issue that he was having with that young lady he was seeing exposing him and essentially trying to kind of get him cancelled a little bit. It was a bit mad. And, um, you know, some stuff came out about him that wasn't the greatest. And in general, it kind of maybe made people see him in a different light. But I'm just intrigued. I would love to know what you guys think in the chat. 
I'm legitimately intrigued at what would obsess, what would make somebody like an academics be into like really trashy women. Because I think that's something that he's clearly not realized or accepted. He's clearly got a type. He clearly is attracted to these women who I feel like are way more experienced than him even though they're ratchet and they're nasty and whatever it may be, I still think they are way more smarter and are really the kind of killer women that will end up fleecing his pockets and taking from everything he's got. But he can't help himself to get near them. He just wants to be around them at all points in time. You know, it's such a strange thing. So I wonder what that's all about. I wonder if that's just like a weird kind of like virgin sort of vibe type of thing because you've had no girls maybe when you get some attention even if it's from girls with weird crazy ulterior motives you feel like you should kind of be into them i'm not really too sure but he's clearly got a type i don't really know the issue but anyway his recent issue going on here is that one of his exes or someone that he was seeing for a bit selena powell who happens to also be a well-known industry whore like not even to say you know to be an insult she kind of wears it with pride she's known as somebody who goes around and fucks all the rappers, you know, and, you know, sucks off all the basketball team players. Like, just, she lives this life. She's really out there in the streets. Some content goes up on OnlyFans, some content goes on social media. She really loves it. And for some reason, Academics was in a weird sort of, like, situationship, friendship thing with her for a while. Like, this lady here on the left-hand side. And then out of nowhere, this issue came out, out of the blue, where um, Summer Walker, the lady on the right, who's a very prominent r&b artist um she it was revealed recently had been dating lil meach who happens to be the son of big meach right then you know the notorious drug dealer and whatever guy who's in prison now for a long time um lil meach is now dating summer walker so because of that this selena power girl decided to post on her socials a clip that showed her um sucking off lil meach in a bathroom somewhere and then she decided to upload the video of it and put it behind her OnlyFans paywall. So because she did that, only in response to Summer Walker confirming that she was dating the guy. Like, kind of trashy move, right? Like, hey, I fucked him too. I fucked your man sort of vibe. Like, really, really bad. And then, of course, Academics decides to get on stream and kind of talk about it. And it felt like what we're witnessing. I heard a bit of it here. I'm going to play a bit of it for you here, because of your channel. It felt like to me we were witnessing somebody trying to cope in real time and trying to not act butthurt about it. But he seems to really be butthurt at the fact that his old flame, Selena Powell, had been with Lil Meech in the back, you know, at some point. And she was now kind of twerking for him literally on social media in a way to kind of get his attention. So this is a video taken from Academics' um, YouTube account, King Academics, that says, Academics reacts to Selena Powell exposing Lil Meech after he pops out with Summer Walker. Let's see what he says. Come on, play, play, play. There we go. It's loading up now. Cool. Um, but I digress. We should probably talk about Selena. Oh. <laughs> As I said, Selena's if she's been in the game for 10 years, bro. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, I think she's at like a really interesting point. <laughs> interesting Selena, point. from my estimation, and I could mm. Google it. Let me Google it. 
He's talking about Selena Powell like she's Gwyneth Paltrow or some shit. Like, relax, brother. How old is Selena Powell? Now, this matters, okay? She's 27. Jesus Christ. When I first started... She's 27, you know. Mad. Even talking to Selena, Selena was like 21, 22, right? That's when she kind of just got started. Or at least started getting fame and notoriety. She's 27. Um, to me, I'm still amazed that she still gets the amount of attention that she does. But I, I, I'll always keep it real. The flesh is weak, you know? The flesh is weak when it comes to men. If women are out here throwing themselves at you. Especially if you look the way that academics looks. Let's, let's just add that caveat there as well. I think so. Down to do whatever you want, wherever you want. It's only so much a dude could say no, even if you probably know some of the repercussions that will come with it. Now, many, I, thought that, I don't get that also. Loads of guys say no. I don't understand this idea that no guy says no. There's plenty of guys out there that I'm sure who have come across Lena Power and said, no, nah, I'm good. But there's this idea that all guys are on it. It's just like, not really. I'm sure there are some guys out there who just wouldn't do it for any amount of money, any amount of clout. I don't know if you guys have seen the, the picture or the videos. I can't necessarily speak or I can't show the videos on here. Clearly, I would get banned. There's a video or a picture of Selena giving fellatio to Little Meech. Okay? She gave uh, um, fellatio to, to Little Meech. Somebody's recording it. I don't know who's recording it. It looks like it's in a bathroom stall, like in the mall, like they're in like a little family stall type of shit. It's cool. <laughs> he inspected that fucking video way too hard, didn't it? A family. <laughs> He's so hurt. Um, again, of course, I don't like when people be like, oh, that's your ex doing it. I'm like, what the fuck? That ain't my ex, but we're cool. You know what I mean? Whatever. I, listen, at, at this. Yeah, it is your ex. The fact that he's not worried about being linked to her and he doesn't mind the clout of it, even though she's musty and a whore, says everything about him. Not even a whore, just the way that she goes about stuff. I think. There's nothing wrong with being a whore, but just the way that she does it, it's just so awful and you that he's okay being linked to her because he's got some level of clout and fame to her name. That's that's the icky part. Point. I always tell people, I'm not here to to fight with internet rumors. Whatever y'all think. <laughs> if you guys don't know, and why is this relevant? Because Selena fucks dudes, right? If you ask her, she says she calmed down. But come on, it's Selena Powell. Selena, let me see. Let's go to Shady. Why I didn't even post that bullshit? Of course you didn't. She ex. The reason why it's relevant is that Lil Meech just supposedly have been fucking with um, Summer Walker. Summer Walker is a huge R&B star. And um, they've been pictured together, hanging together. And um, a picture came out where this is Summer Walker rocking Lil Meech BMF chain. Right, um, y'all could correct me if I'm wrong, but Little Meech, who is the son of, um, is it Big Meech? I think so. The BMF series in Saga, he plays his father, so he's not only the son of a real nigga who was certified, he's an actor playing his father pretty much in his father's life story that's kind of ill it sounds like he's oddly proud no 
and jealous. Like, because little Meech is like a legit TV star, and obviously girls like him because they think he's cute. He's. It sounds like he's kind of oddly proud that somebody who's prominent and good looking and successful is also fucked or is also linked to the girl that he was with in Selena Powell. That's how it sounds like, which is really disgusting. Um, you know, he has his own like pretty much arc when it comes to celebrityhood and shit like that. And um people love him for whatever reasons. Anyway, uh for whatever reasons. That sounds like subtle hate. You see how he kind of master hate. He spoke about his accolades like he was reading it from a Wikipedia and then he said you know, people like him for whatever reasons. Whatever reasons. You know why they like him. Look at look at what this guy looks like. Right? Little Meech. Now look at what this guy looks like in the corner. <laughs> it's an easy choice. <laughs> Even if you're Selena Powell, it's an easy choice, you know? Easy, easy choice. Summer Walker, who, interestingly enough, and, and, and my only confusion came from this, Summer Walker, she was just picturing with some and by the way i, I want to very i want to clarify because there's no shots there's zero shots <laughs> being taken when i say this i love summer walker and oh, i'm gonna tell you why i love, I love her. this guy i man. love summer walker because what she, no shots taken means there's gonna be a shot taken but just don't say it he every time i see her speak on some shit it's always based in complete reality and I fuck with her for that. She's amazing for that. I don't know her. I've never talked to her. But I agree with her so much. And I think that she's, a, she's an individual. And in this industry of dick riders, I don't think there are that many people. So I love her for being unique and being herself. And I'm not saying that to butter her up. But yes, I'm saying are. that just because I actually really like her. Now, I, I say that. And what I'm saying now is not any slight or diss, but previously, <laughs> here it comes. Summer Walker was with some Negro, and I think they had matching tattoos. Mississippi final. Summer Walker. He's so fucking hateful. She was with some Negro. You know, he, he pretends to not remember the name of Summer Walker's baby daddy. His name's Larry, by the way. Tattoo. Yeah, she had a tattoo with some Negro. This guy right here. And he tattooed her name. Summer. <laughs> he tattooed her name Summer. And she tattooed his name Larry. Now, this is kind of confusing to me because Summer Walker is a fucking star. And when a woman of her. Anyway, you get the point. Academics is boring me now. But yeah, Academics is doing this situation that he's in. Like I said before, I'm still not aware or understanding why he seems to have a kink for these more, uh, you know, wretchedy type ladies. But I also love that the fact that he can't stop himself from being attracted to women that look like Celia Powell. But then these women are also the same ones that run his pockets, that get him to buy him G-Wagons, that get him to lend him money, stay at their crib rent free. So maybe it's a mutually beneficial deal. Maybe he likes some ratchet chicks because they make him feel alive. And maybe they like him because he's a soft, cuddly, little fat chipmunk, right? Like, it makes sense. It's all mutually beneficial. But again, what do I know? What do I know? Um, let's see what else I've got to talk about here. 
Oh, talk about this slightly. Have you guys seen this? Have you guys seen this? Can you guys guess why? No, so it's a bad thing to say guessing it because it's a bit obvious. But do you guys, do you guys understand why this guy got fired? He's what used to work at Barstool Sports. His name is uh, what is his name? Something Mency or something, right? Um, what's his name here? The, oh yeah, Mency, right? This guy here. He allegedly got fired from Barstool Sports. Do you guys agree with this decision? Hear what he said. Get some yayo, double up, nigga. You know what you need? What you need? Get some yayo. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> He's reading a lyric. <laughs> Listen to it again. Get some yayo, double up, nigga. You know what you need? What you need? Get some yayo, double up, nigga. What you need? What you need? Get some yayo, double up, nigga. What you need? What you need? Get some yayo, double up, nigga. What you need? What you need? Get some yayo, double up, nigga. What you need? Get some yayo, double up, nigga. What you need? What you need? Honestly, so hilarious. He lost his entire job. An amazing little situation that he had going on over at Barstool Sports. He's called some Mitzi dude. His situation is completely gone because of the little hiccup he had live on stream where he's reading us some lyrics. <laughs> and he incorrectly decided to read the uncensored version. And he didn't do the TikTok. Shh. Right? He decided to go for the full nigger but at least he didn't do it with the er at least he did it with the a at the end right a little the kind of a, you know the colloquial version right the version that you write when you're texting your friends like he didn't do the er he did the a right the, that that's pretty nice of him that's quite being considerate um if i could help i would i would give him my black card and say hey you're all right mate you slipped up you said a lyric it is what it is that doesn't mean you're fucking a member of the ku klux klan you'll be fine but <laughs> I found it hilarious. The terror across his face when he said the word. He was so worried and scared. Maybe that's actually quite comforting, actually, because it felt like for a while, sometimes, like, I don't know, some people say some things and they use some, you know, racially charged language or slurs and they don't get punished. But then when we, people like myself, do stuff like that, you know what I mean? You get fucking the whole book chucked at you. You get fucking excommunicated from culture overall. You have to move home and whatnot. So it was quite comforting, actually, in a weird way, that there was some real-life consequences for it. Do I like it overall? Probably not. If he's reading lyrics out on the show, which he probably got trolled for, this feels like a troll. It feels like somebody goaded him into reading a lyric. He didn't think about it anymore and just read it out. Like that thing that people do on flipping TikTok, where they get these, these influencers or people streaming live to read out the names of people who they like or and it kind of you know it's 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 mistake because it's usually a a funny way to say i don't know something crude and i think he may have got trolled as well so he didn't really realize what was going on but it's too late that has never changed because now dave portney came out and basically said yeah the guy's gone and kind of fired him basically emergency press conference ben, ben mitz has left the building okay emergency press conference this time uh Bad news. This sucks. <laughs> so today we had to fire Ben Mintz, the artist formerly known as Ben.
Anyway, my fucking computer keeps pausing and stopping a million times, but essentially Dave Portnoy says that um, the company that's invested into Barstool Sports basically are the ones that made the bad decision to fire that guy. So clearly what it's showing now is that Dave Portnoy is nothing but like, um, it's nothing more than a, you know, than a really high level employee now his company. Whoever company invested in him is really taking control of the day-to-day running of it and calling a shot. So if you're a long-time Barstool sports fan, you're probably a bit annoyed because but you know Dave is definitely not in charge as before because I think beforehand he probably would have been able to keep that Ben Mint guy, but because the company that you know invested or whoever it was invested into Barstool sports, they obviously expect a certain level of autonomy and ownership and they're doing it. They're sort of flexing their muscles now. And unfortunately... Mr. Nigger is the one that paid the big price. <laughs> oh, he was so terrified, man. Bless his little heart. He didn't know what to do. <sighs> Nigger. Nigger. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People are saying in the chat, Dave says it all the time. <laughs> yeah, day to day. Big up Perk Angle. Oh, you're a legend. Yeah, true. Dave does probably say it all the time. I wouldn't be surprised, mate. He's one of those type of people. But anyways, um, that is the end of the show. I've run through all my flipping tabs for now. It's a bit like I said, it's a bit dead out there in terms of comedy new stuff, it feels like, man. I need them guys to do something stupid so we have something to talk about. Not much going on really, but um I tried to run through as much as I could run through um, actually I need to check the discord as well see if you guys have uploaded any links in case I missed anything um, if you are watching it and you're not a fan of, or you're not joining the discord yet make sure you do the link is in the description click the link in the description to join the discord um, apart from that what else is happening oh yeah we see, yeah yeah I have actually caught Ucha yes I have seen that actually Ucha said about that football player right where is it I think I might have it on here is it or did I put it before uh what's his name again mahone yeah that's his name mahone there's a there's a really funny clip of that actually let me play that before i leave there's a really funny clip of that <laughs> where he's leaving he got he got booked out which is absolutely crazy right he got he got imagine you're the fucking what is he i think i think the other mahone's guy is a quarterback again i'm not i'm not america i don't watch american football so please bear with me but i'm pretty sure the the main Mahomes guy is a really high level American football player. I think he plays as a quarterback and I think he may have won. Um, I think he may have won uh, the Super Bowl with whatever team he plays for. I think he plays, yeah, he definitely won the Super Bowl. And the funny thing about him is that his younger brother is just the complete opposite of him. Like if that guy was like a genetic freak and a killer and a savage and destined for great things and you know really putting his family on the map and shit his brother's just like a waste of space clearly looks like a waste of space and somehow he found his way into being what you call it charged for like what is it suspicion of aggravated sexual battery or something and i think they might have to do with that clip of him in a bar somewhere like fondling some woman's tits or some shit i think so i'm not sure was that the video they go in trouble for but i think that might be the one. Oh no no he kisses the woman that's it he bends her backwards and forces her to kiss him or something and i guess that lady wasn't a fan of that shit and she said to the person you know uh, <laughs> she probably put the charge in put the put the word in there but this clip of the guy leaving the prison is absolutely hilarious 
Let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, this is the one. His name is Jackson Mahomes. Uh, Mahomes. Mahomes. Let's see this. Play this. This clip is fucking hilarious because of the guy in the background, what he says, just as the guy's leaving. Let's see if I can play it. Come on. Don't kill me now. Let's go back here. Yeah, this is him leaving the courtroom. Look at this video. This is fucking funny. Anything you want to say to the victims of these crimes? You know, if you was a real black dude, they would arrest you alone. <laughs> the guy at the end. You know, if he was a real black dude, they would have arrested you a long time ago. <laughs> the kid is legitimately thinking that his life is over. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He thinks he's embarrassed his family. He's, you know, he's fucking jeopardized his inheritance. His brother may not invite him to the games anymore. He's just distraught. And the last thing you think he'd want to hear is this, right? You'd think the last thing he wants to hear is this. You know, if you was a real black dude, they would arrest you alone. <laughs> Big up that guy, whoever you were in the background. I'm pretty sure just a paparazzi dude. I'm assuming so. But it's like, I don't think it's like a black Israelite or something that was saying that to him. But <laughs> I find that hilarious. And I love how he's got the same, if you know, you know. He looks like he's got the same outfit that Chris Brown had when he went on that show after he beat Rihanna. Do you guys remember? I think it's like the, you know how black boys have like that shirt that black boys wear where it's like, or black guys wear, that's like it's a Burberry shirt that you wear during your like baby shower, right? It's like a standard thing that all black guys from the hood wear to kind of look like you're smartened up. I feel like for some reason, mixed race guys have a, a tendency to wear like baby blue and shit to appear like soft and cuddly when they go through something kind of crazy and i feel like i remember that chris brown video where he went i think it was gail king he sat down with gail king and he was wearing kind of like baby blue i'm pretty sure it was baby blue let me see if i can see it let me see big up terry joe um let me see i think it's chris brown gail king it's an interview where i think he's wearing like a bow tie chris brown gail king interview let's see if that's what i'm talking about okay that's that's the thing what i think yeah see it was was it blue it must have been blue right was it gail king she sat down with was it cbs gail king who was it was it cbs or oh, good morning it was one of those shows you sit down with post rihanna beating was it Larry King? No, I don't think it wasn't Larry King. That definitely wasn't Larry King. Um, uh, was it Good Morning interview or something? Maybe it was Good Morning. Let me see. No, it wasn't that one. It wasn't that. But still, he's got blue here anyway. He's got like a blue vest in. Um, oh, shit. It wasn't Larry King. Okay. People keep saying Larry King. It's not. Let me check it. If Crash Crash ninety eighty four. If it's if it's not Larry King, I'm gonna fucking perma ban you from the fucking whole of YouTube. Okay, watch. I bet it's not Larry King. And if it's if I'm wrong, I'll smack my head in the. Oh no! 
Oh, he's right. Big up Crash 984. Embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Big up Crash 984. You got it right, brother. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, define getting it wrong. My bad. But yeah, th- th- that's what I'm saying, though. Like, do you guys understand what I mean? Like, I feel like mixed race guys have this, what they go for. Black guys have a particular thing that they go for when they want to appear soft and cuddly. And mixed race dudes have a tendency to do baby blue because it makes them pop. Like, you know, let's not lie. Chris Brown looks like a fucking stud here. Do you know what I mean? He looks cute here. This is a cute guy right there. That's a, do you know what I mean? That's a dreamboat. So the baby blue does hit, you know what I mean? With the little cubic zirconias in the ear, right? That makes him look really, really good. So if you want to be innocent, if you're Patrick Mahone's his brother, Right? The first thing you want to do... Where is the video? The first thing you want to do is this. You want to come out in a baby blue polo. Right? With the slacks on. Right? Look, he's got the... I think he's got cream slacks on. I'm pretty sure it's like cream slacks. His hair isn't even cut in a black way. You know, look. He's there. See, he's got cream... Look, he's got gap... He's got gap chinos on. He's wearing gap chinos. Come on, man. Instant. You know what time he's on. You know what time he's on. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> Pick up him. This guy at the end was absolutely legendary. I love him, man. You know, if you was a real black dude, they would arrest you alone. <laughs> Imagine hearing that when you people, honestly, man. Oh, people are so mean. Anyway, this is the end. Um, I guess actually, random show episode number one hundred seven. Thank you for tuning in. It's been a pleasure to have your company as per usual. I appreciate ya. Um, as per usual, if you enjoy the show, please make sure you smash the like button down below for me. That'd be greatly appreciated. Um, and yeah, man. I'll see you guys again very, very soon, innit? Big up this chat. Big up everybody hanging in there. Uche, Don Second, Crash984 for correcting me. I appreciate that. Trico, Koyla, of course, Matt Rizzi, uh, Perk Ang- Angle. I appreciate you as well. Severa Design, Emmanuel Dos Santos, my guy, story to tell, big up, everybody here in the stream chat, I appreciate you all, so I'll see you all very soon, Theo One Under, Teji Teju, too many names to mention, too many names to mention, appreciate you all, um, yes, a story to tell, this is OBS, this is all OBS, um, I made this little font, I made this little fucking, what, what they call these things? I made this little overlay, but they're easy to do. But you can grab free ones online. But yeah, this is all through OBS. OBS is so simple to use as well. Because I was using Streamlabs for a while. Um, but that didn't really work on my computer. But OBS is a piss easy to use, man. Um, loads of really cool, handy YouTube tutorials for, it for as well. So yeah. Anyway, enough about that. Take care. Be safe, everybody. I'll see you guys again very soon. Peace.